Hey there, Crossrip listeners, and welcome to the podcast for the week of March 6th, 2017. We've got a jam-packed episode, as always, for you guys. This week, we're going to talk about those lost scenes. Yes, the Ghost Core lost scenes that they posted up, talking about that Fort Detmering scene that we've always been waiting for, and we might just get a chance to take a look at. We're going to talk about Toy Fair. We're going to talk about Bill Murray. We're going to talk about Maurice LaMarche. Oh, boy. I'm looking at it right now. It's going to be about two hours, so strap in. Here we go. Still playing with toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. Don't look at me. I think these people are completely nuts. Found out Morris LaMarche is going to Emerald City Comic Con this weekend. Oh, is he really? Yeah. There's a bunch of uh, a bunch of fan groups that are going to be there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, isn't uh, Mr. Ryan Dole going to be at Emerald City or no? Yeah, he'll be there. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I saw him up there. But, oh well, Maurice LaMarche, he's, he's coming up on the show. We're going to talk about Maurice LaMarche. Um, that's right. I'm, uh, I think you, you would be proud. I'm, I don't have a turntable but i'm sitting at i just got in the mail you have two microphones i do have two microphones actually that's true i do have two microphones um but uh i've got the uh theodore shapiro ghostbuster score on vinyl that just came today with the slime green vinyl and uh it's pretty it's nice but i i don't have a turntable to play it on so it's just sitting on the collection it's just sitting on the shelf but that's one of those staring at that I almost got it myself. It's a bit pricey. Like it's forty-five bucks. It yeah. Well, I I caught it because it was on Amazon for twenty-five. I want to say yeah. I ended up getting it for. Yeah, yeah. I missed that. It was uh, yeah. It was like uh, last week at some point. I saw it because you know you've got the wish list on Amazon of all the things that you want to buy but you never yeah. do, and you just sit there and you pine for them. And then I, I saw it was down whatever it was thirty-eight percent, and there were only like four or five. So I grabbed it, but damn. yeah, it's cool. It's pretty. I got a birthday coming. Maybe I'll add it to my Amazon wish list. Every yeah. year, my mom and my wife are like, "What would you like for your birthday?" And I was like, "I have too much stuff." <laughs> well, think of something. You gotta have something for your birthday. I don't know. Uh, okay, well, there are all of these diamond select toys that are coming out. Uh, <laughs> if you want to. Uh, no, I uh, I put in every single Topps trading card book that I don't have yet. Oh yeah. Like the, the Star Wars ones and the, those guys? Yes, I have half of them. And I need to get the other half. And I think I've argued before, if anybody's listening, that the Topps Ghostbusters 2 one needs one. It's like, come on. Yeah, absolutely. And But they never they never did a trading card run for the first movie, did they? No, or even for not. real Ghostbusters. There were stickers. Uh, there were stickers and like the uh, yeah. panini, uh, whatever they're called, books. I think you could, if you somebody argued Ghostbusters two is too niche, that you could argue then, fine, put a book that is, uh, do one of those flip covers. Do you know what I mean? Like it's one cover on one side, but you flip and the book and it's not the back yeah, of the book. Yeah. yeah. One one side is Ghostbusters two, and the other side is Fright Flicks. Oh, Have you heard of Fright Flicks? Yeah. Yeah. Because there were a has. couple of Ghostbusters cards in that, right? Yeah, three or four uh, Ghostbusters ones. They're amongst all the other you know, 80s yeah. practical effects classics in there. Uh, I think that'd be a good one. I think you could actually sell that. 
because there's a good overlap between the groups. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it cuts yeah. the production down a bit. Like you're printing, you're printing for two. See, I thought um, you were going a different direction with that. Having seen Dinosaur Dracula's uh, recent posts uh, today, I thought you were gonna do like Ghostbusters two on one side, you flip it over, and it's Batman 1989 on the other side. And, you know, it's the the entire oh. run of their cards that. I think there's a little yeah. overlap there. There's an argument to be made for that one. I think totally Ghostbusters fits a bit better yeah, with a little the bit 80s Fright, Fright Flicks. Flicks. Yeah. Uh, there's that second season of Simon and Simon on DVD. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> uh, I put in some sort of workbench thing. I need a workbench for, bench for the garage. Okay, all right. And I found a company that they make. It's these high-impact whatever poly resin whatever it's essentially the legs if you imagine a work table and it has four legs that's what they make out of these out of the and then what you do is you go out and you buy it's the company's called two by four something and literally what all these legs do is accommodate two by fours like so you go out and you buy the wood you want and slot it in you put it in in the lower parts to act as the cross hatches and oh, okay. screw so it into place. They're, they're like the sawhorses or whatever like the the, uh, the legs that kind of thing sort Not of really. okay. okay here here's the best god how do i explain do you remember grade school when they tried to give us those lessons on describe the thing you see to your partner it's important to be able to <laughs> elocute and describe what you're seeing. <laughs> it's got um, legs and yeah. there's like a cross ever, thing. Exactly. Have you ever seen a wooden workbench? Yes. Yeah, of course. It, yeah. Heavy duty, right? Made yeah. out of two by fours and usually the uh, four by four like poles, like right. beams yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. And it's just a solid chunk. Imagine one of those, only the, the, the four by four, they've been replaced by these you know, polycarbon resin, whatever mm, legs. Okay. All right. So what they do is they ship it to you and they say, here's your four legs. You figure out how long you want it to be and go buy the wood. That's it. Oh, all right. So it's, it's custom, but it's also <laughs> still something that they're selling as a kit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's in a, it's, and it's really inexpensive. Like I, <laughs> I went to home, uh, home Depot and they had this, uh, uh, Milwaukee, there's a brand of tools, Milwaukee yeah, tools. Yeah. Well, Milwaukee sells a workbench, and I'm like, oh my god! It's, and it's pretty. It's like you know, candy apple red, and, you know, with the <laughs> with the the powder coat, and uh, they have it wired. Like it's got its own built-in power bar, so you just plug it once into the wall, and then plug everything else you need into the power bar. And I'm lights. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. It's eight hundred bucks. I'm like, whoa, uh, So then I. Then I admit it was, yes, exactly. It's Algonquin it's French. Good land. Yeah. Um, it's, then I looked around like Canadian Tire for uh, whatever they call them, the uh, Mastercraft. And those vary in prices from like 200 bucks to a wall-mounted one that folds down. I'm like, I want a permanent one. And I don't think a, a wall-mounted yeah. one is actually yeah. going to be that sturdy. All the way up to, you know, a decent one for 250 all the way up to, you know, 400 bucks or whatever. And I'm still like, yeah, all right. Checked Craigslist. A guy had a great beat-up old one. And I'm like, that's perfect. I, I will just sand the hell out of that, give it a nice new coat of paint. He was like, 85 bucks, come drag it off. And then today I'm like, I'll be by at 7. He's like, man, I told my son there was interest. And he said he wanted it. But uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm like, all right, whatever. Uh, and then I, I, then And then the crazy little guy that sits on my shoulder and whispers in my ear. 
not the one on the other shoulder that says kill, but the one that <laughs> he goes, you should go to Amazon. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm paying for Prime. And so I went and looked, and this is what popped up. is these legs. 85 bucks for the legs, and then I go to Home Depot, buy the wood. More likely than not, if they're not to if they're not all to the size I need, if I recall correctly, I can literally walk over to the guy in the corner and leave my wood and say, I need them cut here, 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 and here. And then they cut them and I'll come back for them. Like, yeah. I could even theoretically cut them myself. But I kind of, I don't know, there's something. If I got multiple ones and I got crap to do, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. How much is it? You do it. <laughs> and I just take it home and zap it together. Done. Which you is, got a workbench. Which is not a bad thing because I was one step away from looking at uh, – instructions online on building the, the full wood one so bleh. but why why I, do that when you can watch the second season of simon and simon on dvd that's uh, what i'm why like not? just have have somebody build the, the thing for you see you weren't listening uh, i gave it to my mother and to my wife because they're always bugging me so with luck one of them will buy me simon and simon and the other will uh We'll buy me the workbench. Somebody else will so get you the workbench. All right. Well, well the legs at any rate. Best of both worlds. Yeah. Second season of Simon. It's how many seasons of Simon and Simon were there? Five. Was it I five? Think. I, for some reason, I feel like that show ran forever. Yeah. But I guess because I was I was so young and I felt like good old Joe McCraney. <laughs> I have a soft spot for particularly the '80s era of. Uh, television and private investigators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Uh, good murder, you wrote. Uh, murder, she wrote. Fine, but she's not a private investigator. She is an author who solves crimes. Uh, diagnosis murder. Great. Not a private investigator. Not a private investigator. Was the That's fall a guy? Was he was a stunt guy that was a private investigator? Uh, he wasn't a now. private investigator. He was. Um, he was a stunt guy who somehow got implicated in things. He and was, I can't remember yeah, how. it was more, it was more akin to a stingray or something like that, where he was hired to do jobs. Oh, okay, all right. And I don't think he was technically. I'd have to double check because, frankly, I kind of remember liking it at the time, and then I, I grew cold on it. So maybe I misremember. He had a cool truck. But, That's uh, all I remember. Yeah, yeah, it leaves out a lot. Hardcastle McCormick? No, no, no. Yeah. Not a private investigator. Uh, uh, that's a judge. They yeah, got around yeah. it because he's a judge. The judge can enforce the law. He just got his felon sidekick to help him out with it. I'm like, it's a great premise. Uh, but yeah, Magnum P.I., Simon and Simon. Uh, oh, Moonlighting. Yeah, uh, Moonlighting. Yeah, I was going to bring up Moonlighting. They, oh, moonlighting. they had the first season of uh, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, and I think I may <laughs> check it out too because I can't remember if they're technically private eyes or not. Uh, if I remember, I think Castle he's owes a, everything to Scarecrow and Mrs. King, right? Wasn't he yeah. an author and she's a PI or something like that? Or no, she's an author and he's a government agent. So oh, okay. again, it might, it might. Yeah. But I haven't seen it in ages. I'd love to see it. So yeah, there I'd you go. I watched that one again. Um, so yeah, yeah. Put these all on the wish list, and then make sure that you divvy them up between all of your family members, so that make you get all of the. It'll, it'll work out fine. Well, I gotta, I gotta add in the um, the album there, the the yeah, answer to the call. So, yeah, now I I've actually got, though. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say now I've got all of the soundtracks on vinyl. Again, I don't mm. have a turntable to play them on, but I have all of the soundtracks on vinyl. So that's my head down to almost any record shop, a hip hip kind of record shop in, in your town. You'll find them. Easily. Oh yeah, they're, they're throw a stone. Yeah, um, for like fifty bucks, maybe even less, you can buy yourself one of those. Uh, I think we talked about this before. The little uh, 
the little vans that drive the around van the van that drives around the yeah yeah i gotta do that uh, and I then didn't customize the, it to the Ecto One. That's why we talked about it. Was right. you know creating your own. I Ecto-1. still think that'd be yeah. a great idea. Actually, I think that's a collector set right there. Is to sell. Oh man, put all four soundtracks together. So you got maybe five technically. Although I guess the rights are all over the place. But hey, it's Fantasyland. Let's do that. So you get <laughs> you get Ghostbusters One, which is the music soundtrack with yeah. very little yeah. Elmer Bernstein. You put the Elmer Bernstein on. Oh, yeah. You get Ghostbusters 2. And since I'm inventing things anyways, like there's no problem getting both a Polydor and a Veraband Strudel, whatever they're called there, uh, soundtrack together. Veraband Ver- um, Strudel. I can't remember the name. So, uh, Varese Sarabond or whatever it is. Varese, yeah, that's yeah. the one. You know I do like Veraband Strudel. That's, uh, that's very uh, German. B- 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 Edelman? Edelman? Uh, you're talking about the score? Ghost- yeah, Randy Edelman. Ghost- yeah. Randy Edelman. Which we're that still waiting on, on someday. Basically, that's what I'm going for. Six albums. So yeah. you have the 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 what have you the pop soundtracks and the score soundtracks. And uh yeah, it comes with a little plastic uh car that, that plays it them. Plays them all, yeah. And put them in a collector's uh set. That'd be fantastic. Oh. Yeah. It would be like the because I, I have the Stay Puffed uh set that they did, whatever that was two years ago. I have I just that as that. well. Oh, you got that? That's right. You were waiting on that. I remember that that was on the way to you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, somebody posted, what was it? Uh, oh, they posted, past me, bought frozen pizza. Good job, past me. Uh, I had a little past me moment where past me apparently bought several pieces of vinyl because they all arrived <laughs> within like a week of one another. Boy, was I happy. Every day was a new <laughs> surprise. I got myself the red vinyl australian right. yeah single the both the 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 12 inch and the uh, the little 45 i got that i got that and then yeah the stay puffed one the stay puffed one's beautiful it's great i mean and it smells like marshmallow which is both cool and a little unnerving because i'll be sitting i'm actually sitting here recording right now and every once in a while you just get like a little bit of a a, a hint of it and you go what oh uh, it's the stay puff version of the vinyl that's fine yes, every once in a while you're like i want a brownie yeah wait a minute i smell like uh, no it's fine mm, yeah. not chocolate <laughs> so uh so yeah so that's i, I think it's a great idea i think if, especially once they get those randy edelman score stems <clears throat> some somebody out there's got to be able to like la la land records or uh Varese, what, wait what'd you call them uh very strudel very strudel. Uh, don't, they, don't try and get me to just tell me what you think it is because it's probably proper one. I should probably memorize it. Uh, Very Sarabond. I think that's Very Sarabond. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so somebody out there has got to be able to find those. I, they have to exist. There have to be stems for the movie somewhere somehow that we can get those. Yeah. But, uh, oh no! I've just I've made it eight because oh. they need to put out the uh, the Tahiti soundtrack along with the. Oh uh, God the Saban uh, soundtrack from real Ghostbusters. The Tahiti, the Tahiti soundtrack only existed on cassette tape, cassette. right? Yeah. Yes. It doesn't matter. It exists. That one probably is out there somewhere too. That's uh, let's contact uh, let's, uh, Tahiti. Uh, what's her name? The lead singer of Tahiti. She's, she's out there. She's making, yeah, I don't know. So I tracked, that's I tracked them down not too long ago. Collector's vinyl. Collector's vinyl is like what? 20, 
bucks a pop, you know? Yeah, so that, that you're at 100 bucks just for the vinyls themselves, at least. And the case. I mean, this is a $200 set, yeah, basically. Yeah, But I would, I, I would seriously think about it. And it comes with that same ceramic staple of Marshmallow Man that's been released uh, four different times for <laughs> DVDs, Blu-rays, uh, the staple of vinyl set. Uh, you know. Yeah, just over and release that thing, yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Ah, uh, anyway. All right. Well, uh, only only you you put a little velvet uh on the, his underside. He's the record cleaner. So. Oh, oh, there you go. Done. Velvet. Who doesn't like velvet? Uh <laughs> All right. Well, uh so I'm I'm looking at another two-page rundown here. It's funny because we had another episode planned for this week, Chris. Uh Yes. And then I was like, oh, can we, sh- we should wait because there's a lot we have to catch up on, like two pages worth of stuff that we should catch up on. So, uh I think we Heaven. should actually started heaven heaven and this 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 week's episode what we're gonna do can wait <laughs> oh heaven can now, wait um, now i'm stuck trying to think of other things that can wait uh heaven can wait parker lewis can't lose but no, he yeah, can okay. still wait he's he has the ability to wait um i'm sure it'll come back to me at an awkward moment uh, you can't hurry love the episode you can't uh, you just have to wait you just uh, have to wait uh, love love don't come easy uh parker lewis can't lose that's all i got <laughs> that's all Moving i have got moonlighting all right let's get into some news hey guys peter I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. All right, Chris, this is this is the exciting thing. This is in all caps on the rundown. Very top item here uh, that we need to talk OMG. about. OMG. OMG. Three it's exclamation also, points. It's two weeks old, which stinks, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. We, I, I took a little trip uh, back home, and so we put up the this Ghostbusting Life last week, and and of course, and I, I want to go on record. Yes, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say you, you prophesized. It. You prophesized this <laughs> quite literally at the end of the last live quote unquote live episode uh-huh. that we did. You said, "I bet tomorrow something's going to happen," and of course. That next day, something happened, and and because mm. we had recorded that week, and then we did the the pre recorded show after that. Now here we are, three weeks later, and and we're talking about it because that's what we do here on the Crossrip. We are timely, not really. But <laughs> for those of you who do not know what we're talking about, welcome to the party, pal. Because the lost scenes from Ghostbusters, the 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 long fabled Fort Detmering scene may have been found. And the reason that we know this is because Ghost Core on their Facebook page, again, quite literally the Thursday after we recorded two weeks ago's episode, uh, posted up a photo of what I can only assume is Mr. Eric Reich's hand holding up three of these coveted uh, film reels uh, saying, hey, hey, look what we found in storage or, or just like tucked in a corner or, or in a locker somewhere like but but it belongs in a museum. Why was this not in a museum to begin with? That's the question. It belongs in a museum because that may be the only place to find the VHS player <laughs> to play them. Well, no, they're, I, it looks to me like they're 35 millimeter film reels. Uh, Is that what even, they are? Yeah, not even VHS, because if you look at the oh. scale of his hand. It looks like they're actually f- like film prints or film negatives. Uh, so, 
Oh, see, I didn't get that impression. My God. brain just went to VHS. Yeah, I mean, uh, so this is this is quite the find. Now, I mean, again, that's even better. Well, there's okay. So let's let's talk about what the the photo is. There's three boxes, and yes, to, to my understanding, they look like they're film reels. Um, but so one of them is marked honeymooners. Another one is marked Bill Murray. And then the one that really caught my attention was Fort Detmering, which is the, okay. the scene that we have never seen before. Scene that we have never seen before. That's uh, that's terrible syntax. An editor well, would kill me for that. But let's leave that one to the, the last because I think that's yeah. the biggest talking point. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what your interpretations of the other ones? Honeymooners. That that we've seen before. I feel like that's that's, that's well that's covered. There's there's stills in the making Ghostbusters. It's included in making Ghostbusters, so everybody like we know what the scene was. When it was on the DVD, wasn't it? I thought that deleted scene, or at least yeah, part of scene, it is. Part of it is. Um, no effects, if I recall correctly. Right, right. Not not even stand in. It's just them doing the, like I think slimes about as far as I got, and uh, but we know what that one is. Um, that that you know that's nice. Because I'm wondering, I'm trying to remember what the quality. I seem to recall. You're right. It is on one of the discs, but it's, it's like a, a VHS. Quality, it's, it's like it's black like, and white because it's yeah. like one of those answer print. Uh, like you know, uh, when they would do screeners for say like Ivan Reitman to take a look at the cut or whatever. Because yeah. um, I'm I'm pulling up. I've got my making Ghostbusters book here right now. Page one thirty is Fort Detmering, which we'll get to later. There's a couple of great photos there. Honeymooners. If I remember correctly, and it's been a while since I've actually watched them, but I think it is like a black and white version. You see them in bed, and of course, Slimer is tormenting them, and the the walls are are seeping with uh, slime, and that's when she's like, "You need to call downstairs. You need to tell them about this right away." Yeah. Uh, that that I think is what was released. But um, let's see, where is this on making Ghostbusters? Oh, here we go. Okay, so here's some storyboards. The honeymooners show up on page 65 and they're lying in bed and they're both staring at the ceiling. They obviously cannot sleep. Charles Levin and Wendy Goldman. They're having a less than blissful wedding night at hotel Sedgwick. Thanks Don Shea for that. (laughs) That's a great description. Um, But he says the sequence shot in its entirety and edited into the work print was ultimately cut before the film's release. So the bride and the groom have a less than romantic evening because of Slimer and we've only seen a par- a portion of that scene. So, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm caught up reading the script now, but yeah, I think I That's think fine. only part of that has been released. So, it'd be nice uh, to think that it's a it's not some, you know, you know, quick print black and white or something like that that it'll be a better color. Yeah. Yeah, it may not print. just be that that black and white answer print of some sort. So yeah, we don't know. It could, cool. it could it like it could be uh like a like an effects test print or Oh, maybe. Or or even maybe just a, you know, because the way they used to do it was they would take the the negatives, they would make a print of the negatives and that's what they would cut with and then they'd send, you know, all of that to a negative cutter and they'd cut the movie and then they make a print. It was a long process. Thank yes. God we have tapeless media now because, <laughs> geez. Uh, so maybe that's maybe these are the actual you know negatives. Maybe there's like actual tape splices on there, and this is what they could cut be. With. I don't know. Um, so uh, that's that's very cool. And I do. I'm, so as I read the script here, I think we've gotten the second half of the honeymooner scene because uh, all of the stuff with the groom calling down to the front desk and saying that they're in this room and. 
everything is going awry. I've seen that, but I haven't seen them at the beginning sort of like, uh, you know, post, post, uh, consuming their marriage and the bride's like, aren't you glad we waited? There's all of that. I don't remember. So, uh, yes, maybe I, that's to say, I seem to recall that it was a, uh, there was some sort of mild sex joke in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I seem to recall, she was like, aren't you glad we waited? And his like, doesn't he reply something like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, like, I don't know. It probably would have been about the same. <laughs> yes. That's right. That was the, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what's in the script here in making Ghostbusters. So, uh, Old. yeah. So, so at any rate, so that the honeymooners, that's, that's a lot of fun. I, I'm hoping that there's more on there that we haven't seen. And you know, the bummer is with, um, criterion and the DVD and the Blu-ray, there are a lot of scenes out there, but except for that most recent Blu-ray, not everything is in one place. And even still, there's a lot of stuff that's not on there that was on the Criterion disc. So, you yeah, know, maybe this I'm, is maybe this is something that's grounds for another release, possibly. I'm happy to keep dipping into the... Like, every... <laughs> the number of times I've heard people complain, I have to buy another copy? It's like, well, how many copies do you have? You buy one every two years? Ooh, is it that, breaking yeah. the bank? Like... <laughs> Like, like, don't get me wrong, like, you know, maybe you don't want that many, but th- it seems unreasonable that then complain that, but I have to, because I need to get everything. I'm like, eh, well, well, you, you can't don't have, have to ways. get everything. Yeah. And, and but, considering that that first DVD came out in whatever it was, 1999. So it's been yes. almost 20 years now. So, you know. I mean, it's, but at the end of the day, I do like to think that we're heading in the direction of that some anniversary most likely an anniversary because those yeah the times yeah. to put the push on that we are building towards a more complete record in a single edition you know so yeah and it, like, it makes sense uh, like a definitive edition now with well now with answer the call out there you know they can release another box set that has uh, all three movies plus additional bonus features so that it warrants uh, a double dip on the first two movies that you already own six copies of or whatever and uh you know, right. I, th- I feel like that's probably what what might be happening but yeah so all right well, so anyway you, so i know you and i've talked about it on and off too there's uh well this obviously has come up now uh there's stuff on the laser discs that hasn't yeah been yeah, transferred screen over tests with uh ruth oliver and um yeah. a lot of the visual effects i think some of it is on the dvd but not not all of it there's like some before and afters on that that criterion disc photos uh, there were a lot of like a huge I, photo gallery yeah I haven't looked at it yet, and I, I know you. I think you haven't. I don't know if you looked at it, but you and I both tripped over like some strange. Oh, the Japanese uh, laser discs. Japanese laser yeah. discs, yeah, yeah, with uh, effects stuff on it. That would be, um, I think, again, hell. At the end of the day, even if it's like what a, a minute clip, <laughs> put it on because we don't have it here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I haven't been able to, because my laser disc player. Oh dear has broken and I don't oh know how to replace it. But, uh, yeah, it, it has like an interview with Richard Edlund and Ivan Reitman. And apparently there's B roll and footage in there. And I just, I haven't been able to, to pull it up, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there is material out there that exists and there, there is enough that you could put out a new edition and it would not feel like it's a, like a chintzy relabel sort of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I could see if it, like one incremental amount of something went on it, somebody would get a little upset. But there's still a 
good chunk of stuff out there. Yeah, Anyways, there's, there's stuff there's, on there, and 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 there's you know cleaning up the town. The documentary, maybe that's another thing too. Uh, not knowing what a- Anthony and Claire have planned for that, but maybe that's part of it too. You get this whole yeah. feature length documentary or something. I uh, you know, again, I'm just oh, yeah. uh, speculating, and I think that would be amazing. But uh, all right, so the eight disc box set at <laughs> soundtracks, and then next to it, and then in got, a what would it be? Uh, five discs let's see you'd have two versions of yeah you'd have two versions of the new movie you'd have uh the original two films that's four discs uh then you'd have let's say cleaning up the town goes on there that's five discs then a bonus feature disc for the first movie a bonus feature disc for the second movie were it i'm pretty sure all that would probably fit onto I think all of them would fit onto one disc, though, wouldn't you? All the extras. There's an extras disc, basically. Yeah, it depends on what's what's on there. I mean, there's there's so much at this point. Yeah. Well, what's the max time count on a blue uh, Blu-ray? I don't really uh, know. Usually, it's uh, it at high def video. It's four hours, five hours max. You all know, right. you don't want to get well, too much put, on there, but you could probably put the first two on and then answer the call because given all the outtakes and extras that. We know you get a separate one, and then in some sort of special steel case box shaped like uh, they did a fire hall for the. It'd be like a ghost maybe trap. A trap, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you press a button and the the flaps flip up and then they, they oh, slide see, in there and you out go. like yeah. I was I was gonna say containment unit, but you don't want to step on IDW's toes because they had the really great uh, containment unit. Yeah. Uh, to- sorry, total containment. Uh, set but um all right so okay so they sell this and then they sell the soundtrack album set it's better it's better i got a better one it's an ecto and they slide out of the uh the they they, the the steel cases are stamped to look like proton packs and you load them into the the ambulance that's great slide in that's a great idea admittedly admittedly this ecto is two and a half feet long. I was going to say this is this is bigger but, than the Mattel Ecto is going to be, but, uh, but. <laughs> again, we're just this is Dreamland anyway. That's right. Fine. Uh, all right, but okay, so we haven't we haven't talked about the piece de resistance here. The, we didn't talk about the middle one either, actually. Or the middle one. Okay, let's talk about the middle one before we get to the the granddaddy here. The so uh, Bill Murray something to do with advertising. What did it say? One eighty-five. Bill Murray, uh, one eighty-five, which is either the runtime or the aspect ratio. Could go either way, you know, because one eighty-five is letterbox. It's um, probably letterbox then, because who measures time in one minute? Eight five and yeah, a that's minute weird. and twenty-five seconds. Like, yeah, that's that that's strange. Sense. That's probably okay. So one eighty-five. And then there's a date: ten thirty-one eighty-four. Halloween eighty-four. Uh, Halloween of nineteen eighty-four, but that would have been after the mo- the first movie release. Yep. So I wonder if that's like maybe a taped me- like a like a Halloween message. Was there a Halloween? No, there wasn't like a Halloween special. That was later. That was like eighty seven that they did the when Halloween was forever. Yeah. What was this? It's too early to be some sort of like cable screening or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's true because at, at June they would have waited at least a year before it went on TV. I have one. Oh God, I know they re-released it into theaters. Is it possible that it was part of some sort of? Uh, oh, maybe like a a filmed greeting, that kind of thing, like a or a or some sort of advertising push somewhere, hmm. right? Like it was the biggest hit of the summer. 
it went June, July, August, September. That's four months in 1984 as, you know, number one of the box office. Well, that's a possibility. I'd have to double. I mean, I'm sure if we check the numbers, too, hmm. it, it might show a bump there. It was re-released the next, the following summer as well. So I'm, I don't know. Maybe there was some sort of it's Ghostbusters. It's Halloween. I mean, it's a natural, natural connection even back then. So. Yeah, I mean, but knowing knowing that it's related to advertising some way somehow, it could also just be. It could be the clips that they sent to the Tonight Show. <laughs> you know, it could be anything. That's who true. Has, who has any idea? Um, but uh, or being that it's Bill Murray, maybe it's just him sitting eating a bowl of cereal. We have no idea. Uh, it's just. Him enjoying some frosted mini wheats uh, well, wouldn't surprise right, that, me. That one, that one's on Ghost Court to let us know what it is. Okay, yeah. piece of resistance. All right, all right, all right. So, real three, Fort Detmering. So, uh, what we can decipher from the the side, the spine of the container, there are one, two, three scenes: scene one seventeen, one eighteen, and one twenty five. Right. So we know that part of Fort Detmering showed up in the the montage that, of course, was in the theatrical release of the film. It's the yeah, the one go-to joke that social media always wants to call out when people say that uh, Ghostbusters was a kid's movie. And then they go, yeah, but what about that one scene with Dr. Ray Stance where he, you know, gets the, up close and personal with a ghost? Yes. <laughs> Uh, that is part of Fort Detmering. That, of course, was in the theatrical version of the film. But everything leading up to that, and then, of course, we see them uh, later when there's the How About a Little Music sequence. That was them returning from Fort Detmering. That's right. Um, we don't have, we've never seen any of that. Again, aside from those two photos that are in Making Ghostbusters, which also one of them is in color and was used for... I want to say it was the first Blu-ray release, the menus, like it was the the background menus of the the Blu-ray. Um, we haven't seen any of this stuff. Them pulling up to the fort, them talking with the the guard, uh, the the whatever yeah. is the park ranger. You know, um, this is all stuff yeah. that we have never seen before. No, we know a bit about it. Uh, I know Paul Rudolph at uh, Spook Central really broke it down, but. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a lot. It's a back lot, isn't it? It's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a standing back lot shot. Uh, they also, they filmed the outdoor, like the exteriors were done at the Warner ranch, if I remember That's correctly, which is up yeah. North a little bit from, from LA, but, but there's a, there's a, a standing, it's probably on the ranch then. That's what it is. I go, speaking of moonlighting. Cause I remember there was a, remember there's a Shakespeare episode of moonlighting. And their stand-in for old-timey Shakespeare Europe was this vaguely Mexican-Spanish Southern California ranch right, courtyard, right. and Paul Rudolph really tore apart through pictures that you know to 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 prove that this was the same structure standing in as Fort Detmering, because all you needed was a building with some sort of gateway door, <laughs> right? <laughs> and right. ta-da, it's a fort. Well, I'm okay. So I'm I'm uh, I'm flipping through the pages of my making Ghostbusters here, and I stand corrected. the The Judgment Day, how about a little music sequence, is not them returning from Fort Detmering. That's actually them on the way to Fort Detmering. So uh, it, it uh. goes from, let's see. So, uh, Vankman with Dana with the whole uh, sounds like there's it's a little crowded in there. I make it a rule never to get involved with possessed people. Then it goes to Winston and Stance in the Ectomobile talking about digging Jesus's style. 
uh, Judgment Day, that all happens. Then they pull up to the fort and they talk with the park ranger. And there's two photos in in making Ghostbusters of uh, Winston and Ray uh, with the park ranger and the car pulling up to the the fort. What you were talking about that like gate. Yeah. It does. It looks like a Spanish colloquial stud. It's that you've seen it in a million different things. It looks like yeah. some sort of an archway. Um, well, that's some really clever editing, man. So let's, I'm, I'm wondering, okay, so there's, let's see, scene one, the bummer is that the scene numbers are not marked in the script, uh, no. for many reasons, but so one seventeen and one eighteen. there's a scene where they meet the park ranger. And then there's a scene where stance and Winston split up inside the gunner's corridor of the fort. So I wonder if that's 117 and 118. 117 is them pulling up, and then 118 is him, like Ray saying, you go check out the armory, I'm going to go check out the barracks. And then, of course, we see right. what happens past that part. Um, then 19 and 20. 19 and 20 is, else. let's see, we've got, uh, I'm guessing 19, because if, if we're going by making Ghostbusters, 19 yeah. would be the police van with Lewis Tully pulling up with the police cops uh, doing the dropping off, picking up. Then we've got the basement, all of the stuff between uh, Tully and Spangler, Tully and Spangler. The yes, have some. Yeah. Yes. Have some. I'm usually very psychic. Oh, and then we go back to Fort Detmering. We're in the single officer's quarters. So that would make sense because then we would be at scene one 25 ish. Yeah. 25 ish. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that, that would be then Ray, messing around with the saber and wearing the hat yeah and then falling asleep and then the playboy ghost shows up it feels like it fits nicely in and around all the stuff that did make it into the yeah and also a good reason why they you know they name the specific scenes and then just label it Fort Detmering. So all three of them are likely Fort Detmering scenes. Yeah, and maybe so that would make sense because it's it's quite literally what they lifted out of whatever the work print of yeah. the film was, and they've spliced it all together and it's maybe on this reel. I at any I mean it's this is exciting. Like this is it doesn't matter. Period. Even like any footage of yes. Fort Detmering oh is a god. win. Oh my god. I mean, because we've seen still photos of this now for years. I mean, again, I'm I'm well, holding making Ghostbusters in my hands, and we've seen this since that book came out. And yeah, let's see, what is uh, 1985 is when the book came out. Yeah. Singular. Um. So uh, this is uh, everybody's like, what? Uh, what's the big deal? It's a lost scene from Ghostbusters. Everybody knows Ghostbusters. This is a big deal. It's it's something yeah. that has been recorded, and uh, fans for whatever 30 years now have been pouring over so it would be great to it's actually see a, it yeah it's been a cascade of tiny breadcrumbs right like you go see the movie and there's this like this weird question mark of a, a scene <laughs> where you're like okay so he oh it's a dream it's a dream then, yeah. so you, like you go to the theater and you watch it and you're like this is weird ghost Okay. Oh, he fell out of bed. It was a dream. Then you get home video and you start watching it and you realize, why is he dressed in that outfit? Like what? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's a dream. So, but why? Like what kind of detail? And then so here's making Ghostbusters. Oh, there was another scene. Yeah. And, and then, like I said, so, and then, oh, here's a, a larger color print of the them meeting the warden. Oh, here's shots of the Playboy uh, model. 
you know, getting the effect shots done and the, you know, the wind effects and all that. And you know what I mean? Like it's been slowly building pieces, but we've never, yeah, it's not a hundred percent solved until we actually get to see, you know, I don't feel, I don't, I don't know. That's whatever. Anybody, yeah, until anybody we actually who's get going, to see yeah, it. we know about it. Yeah. No, we don't. That's, that's the thing. We've never seen this since 1984. We have never seen this. And so now the bummer about this is that it's, um, it's a little bit of blue balls. It's sort of like, here's, here's, here's something you've been waiting for, for years and years and years. Here's a picture of it, but we're not going to tell you what's on there yet. We're not going to show you. And that's, I, it's actually kind of brilliant if you think about it, because to what we were talking about earlier, why would I buy another version of Go? I have Ghostbusters now mastered in 4K. I have uh, the the Criterion disc on LaserDisc. I have the yeah. 1999 release, the 2001 release. I, I would buy it for this scene. I think that's that's what I would say is like, oh my God, this is something new that I've never seen on any of these releases before. Uh, uh, it's it's like the the yeah. James Remar stuff on Aliens, like the the long lost scenes of of stuff that everybody's always talked about but has have never seen. It's let's put it this way: the world is only beginning to start to accept 4K as a format. Yeah, uh, the market has completely changed. Like disc home disc sales are 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 a whole different animal now. You know, in the streaming world. So when you put stuff out, people are start, slowly starting to, you know, I finally have a 4K TV, I have a 4K player, fine, I'll get the Blu-ray and I'll, you know what I mean? But it's still not widely adopted. There's no way we're going to get to 2019 and they're going to go, here, buy the 5K edition or, you know, Japan's <laughs> right. 8K edition. No, yeah. the best they'll get is to get to 2019 and go, here's, you know, more extras. So Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, we know that there's the animated movie and the, the Ecto Force on the way. That's true. It could coincide with the release of one of those, too. So, um... Oh, there you go. That, that would make a lot of sense to me, too. I, I mean, it's... The good news is it's been found. Now, guys, right. Eric, uh, Ghost Core, if you guys are listening, don't lose it again. Like, keep that thing That's under right. lock and key. Have a make night copies. guard watch it. Make copies of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, get that make, thing digitized as soon as humanly possible. Mail one to yourself. <laughs> Put one in a safety deposit <laughs> yeah. box. Send one Find to Switzerland. Find a notary public. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. For. Oh, $90,000. You get a working Miller Meteor replica <laughs> Ecto-1. In the back is the, the proton pack rack, which contains an actual proton pack prop and a, 4K and a TV. giant tin crate filled with all the soundtracks, all the movies, oh, uh, maybe a large bag of, of uh, marshmallows, Ooh, boy. All right. Well, let's uh, for for four point five million dollars, you get the hook and ladder number eight firehouse. Right. Oh, you wish for four point five million dollars? <laughs> I know that's probably like a what ten million kidding? dollar just, property. That's and they ridiculous. just refurbed it. Yeah. That's thirty million easy. It's historic. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, okay. So all right. So let's a uh, cool a cool like uh, fifty million gets you the firehouse, uh, the fifty nine millimeter. The, the proton packs uh dan Aykroyd sits and has lunch with you every single day of your life uh right. and then you get the fort detmering scene that's I, I feel like that sounds fair that's well and totally I'm reasonable gl- i'm i'm really glad that you brought up that you think 
that you think they're prints because my my biggest fear speaking of blue pulse is that after showing us these that if they were vhs tapes or super vhs tapes or whatever they were is that you know uh, they find out that it was somebody's copy of uh i don't know night flight or something like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's eight a, hours yeah. of night flight recorded at sp quality uh, cartoon all-stars to the rescue yay <laughs> Uh, hey, yeah, there's that something that also needs a good addition as well. That kids uh, still need to know say no to drugs. Kids, need, yeah, kids need to see how smoking pot can send you on this amazing trip where you get to hang out with Michelangelo and Doctor Egon Spangler and Garfield. That's and right. I remember watching Actually, that. I was like, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, that's right. So the cartoons are talking to me about not doing drugs. Are we sure I haven't already taken? I them? think I've already taken drugs. Um, yeah. or update it because I think it's time to they should run that and then somebody should come out like I don't know what are the cartoons these days well I guess it could be the updated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so they could say that was then this is now so here's the update where we'll talk about crocodile and fentanyl <laughs> and uh, bath salts and, and yeah and Molly and, everything. and Molly. Molly sounds like a fun thing but it's not yeah all of those the dangers were they'd get you addicted, <laughs> and only one seemed a little like it might make you sick because we couldn't say death. These ones, half of them lead to death, the other half lead yeah, to cannibalism. Yeah. So let's go, kids. Do you guys remember that thing we did in 1987 <laughs> where we said that smoking pot would lead you down this terrible stray path? <laughs> hey, pot's legal now, so let's talk about other stuff. Pot's legal, so let's not worry about that <laughs> yeah. one. Uh, yeah, the cocaine and the heroin. <laughs> Still a bit of a bum rap, so let's, uh, you know, stay away from those kids, especially since they're cut with fentanyl. So, all right, let's get that one going. Let's, uh, let's talk about that a bit, kids. Um, click. Tuned click. out. Yeah. Uh, I guess we just got to wait. Yeah, we'll just have to wait. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Small podcast bet. You're the, op- you're the sunshiny optimist that thinks something between now and the 35th anniversary will warrant their release but i I suspect that's a well just think about the speed of business that's two years to you know get them digitized and cleaned up and prepped and in addition strategize a release yeah that's a good point okay takes about a a year to to build a build some sort of release you know so and that's before you like you say strategize marketing plan Pitch for a budget, all that sort of thing. Two years is not an unreasonable time for the powers that be to get some wheels. Yeah, rolling. I just I feel like sorry, I, man. You yeah, know that. I know. I'm just I'm being optimistic. You know that better than that, I do. Knowing that it's it's an anniversary, I think that's why I always get the rose colored glasses when I'm like, all right, it's 1989, <laughs> uh, nine, or two, 2019. We've got that 30 year anniversary. I, I always I don't know. I just. I was like, it's an anniversary. It's a big event. And they're like, who cares, man? It came out 30 years ago. So we'll see. But uh, at any rate, we can keep talking about other stuff until we actually find out, until we actually see what's on those guys. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) Tell us what's on there. Uh, We can talk about other stuff. Let's talk about uh, Bill Murray on the Squawk Box. This is one that uh, eluded us a couple weeks ago, and I, I don't know how I missed it because it was... I saw a photo of it. Bill Murray's wearing like his uh, overalls from William Murray Golf, and I saw the photo of it. William Murray Golf posted it up, whatever it was, like three, four weeks ago, and I was like, oh, that looks cool. Didn't know that he talked about Ghostbusters, but he did. 
And so we uh, let's let's play the clip and then we can talk about it, Chris. Here's here's Bill Murray on Squawk Box. This is him at Pebble Beach, uh, obviously obviously there for some golf talk. But uh, eventually the topic turns to Ghostbusters. Here well, it goes. With Wes Anderson now, he pretty much says, "Do you want to come over and like, you know, do the dishes?" And I say, "Yeah, that sounds like fun. We do that." <laughs> he's uh, he's my friend and he's a great movie maker. Uh, I just do what I like. There's no real plan. I don't have a plan. Uh, and I'm basically lazy, so, you know, it, there, there's a certain amount of uh, conscience that kicks in where finally it's, uh, I think we all know what I'm talking about. It's like, am I gonna ever clean up this room or not? Am I ever gonna do those dishes? Am I ever gonna work again? So then it hits you kind of, and then all of a sudden there's an idea there that's good, and I've met a lot of nice people making movies and, and people that you just would throw in with because they're game, you know, they're rarely, you know, they'll take a chance on something difficult. I just, I was just thinking about because I got a message from someone saying, Tim Robbins is looking for you. Well, Tim Robbins is a guy who will do nothing that's easy. It's, if it's not almost impossible, you don't hear from him. So I know he's got some miserable job that won't pay, that's gonna be almost impossible. Does that make you excited to think about it? Excited at the challenge, or are you gonna run from him? Well, I shouldn't have brought up his name because now he can probably, fit, he can triangulate to where I am now. <laughs> Wait a minute, Pebble Beach. It's California. Um, so, no, he's he's just a nice guy. He's very smart and nice guy. Plays how, golf. How come you never wanted to do a Ghostbusters three? Well, I didn't. Oh well, well we did a Ghostbusters with the with the all female cast that did, came out. And then we did a Ghostbusters two. Two, yeah. And the two, you know, even though it had some wonderful stuff in it, and some very funny stuff by Rick Moranis especially, but um, it it just wasn't quite as good a deeper cut as that first one. That first one's pretty great. That's great, yeah. The second one's pretty good, but the first one was kind of good. And I just thought, eh. And, uh, and the ideas, I, I just never really warmed to the ideas. But then when they had the idea of the girls doing it, I thought, well, that's great, because I know those, you know, I know them, some of them anyway kind of well, and they're, they're the, some of the funniest people. Yeah. You know, Kristen and Melissa. Melissa McCarthy. I've worked with those two, and they're, they're pretty, pretty damn funny. So, so I just thought, well, okay, that's a good idea. That's not, I can sleep with that idea, you know. It's not like a, and then, you know, and then we'll go into outer space. You know, it wasn't one of those kinds of things. It was just like <laughs> some funny girls doing it. So, and I enjoyed them a lot. They, I, I, so I did a little yeah. scene in the movie, and, and I got to watch them work, and they, they have fun. That's a good. Any other plans with either of them? Kristen? You know, I'm in trouble with myself because that, that Kristen Wiig, who I think is so wonderful, has sent me something and said, would you look at this thing? And I'm just not very organized. So you've lost it? Well, I haven't misplaced it. Yeah, for a while, I've lost it. And then I found it. And I'm actually traveling with it. But I didn't get around to watching this thing. She wanted me to watch. And then she said, well, Jack Nicholson took the job. I'm like, well, you know, that guy's a poacher. He'll take anything. <laughs> so I don't think I'm, I think I'm out of that one. We look around and... Um there are all kinds of different ways of watching stuff these days. I just got into Netflix myself. I hadn't been there before. Do you do Netflix? Do you do Amazon? Do you do cable? How do you? Not get exactly. Your Not exactly. I've could. Uh, I, it's tech, I had, somehow I was given Netflix because I, I don't know. I, I bought a laundromat. I bought a floor mat somewhere, and they gave me Netflix. I don't know. But then I didn't use it for whatever the hell the three months was. And, sorry, your Netflix is expired. <laughs> <laughs> And then they say, would you like to join again? I'm like, well, the hell with you. You've, you guys can't keep up with my s slow pace. Yeah. Go away. You know? But, but I, um, 
I did a show for Netflix, and uh, they were nice people. I did this uh, very Merry Christmas show, this Christmas yeah. show a couple years ago. Yeah. And uh, they were very nice to work with, but I'm so just not So you can't there. even see it because you're not on Expo? Well, I sort of was there. You know, I, I kind of know how it goes. But I, they, we had a screening in a movie theater, which was really sweet. Yeah. To watch a musical in a movie theater. It was like really old-fashioned. You know, the Paris Theater over yeah. by the plaza? So we had it in the Paris Theater, and it was like... It was like the 40s. People clapped after each song and stuff. It was really a nice, nice experience. But um, I'll try. I'm trying to get organized. That the, I'm a little. I'm lagging in the technical area. So yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing really new. I mean, we know that he didn't want to do Ghostbusters three because the script wasn't quite there, and he never really kind of latched on to the idea. Um, and then he he sort of reiterates the. You know the reason that he liked the the four leads in the new Ghostbusters movie and why he agreed to do the cameo. Um, but what I really liked out of this was the whole Kristen Wiig thing that we talked about. Oh, maybe two or three episodes ago, Chris, where we we said that Kristen Wiig was going to do a, a movie with Jack Nicholson. Had no idea that that part was originally intended for Bill Murray, but he'd never read the script. So it's not just Ghostbusters. He doesn't pay attention to a lot of this stuff that gets sent his way. Obviously, he doesn't need to. <laughs> he doesn't have so. to. Yeah, uh, and and I think everybody also knows that when Kristen Wiig says, uh, "Don't worry about it, Bill. We already gave that part to Jack Nicholson." Like, I, people just assume. People just know that if they send something to Bill Murray, he may or may not read it, and they don't yeah. take it personally because he's Bill Murray. So uh, it certainly doesn't seem to upset him. So. Yeah, yeah. It's I do find it interesting though that on the Ghostbuster side of things that Bill Murray now has sort of this boilerplate that he goes to when he talks about the second movie, he always says there was some good stuff in there, but he was never entirely happy with it and uh you know, it it's he's changed his tune a little bit from whatever it was like 1991, 1992 when he was talking about the movie saying, "Oh, it's just a bunch of visual effects and nobody cared about the the story or the characters or the comedy." Um, you know, I think he does sort of see that there was some merit in it, which we'll get back to later. There was a, a fun article about the merits of Ghostbusters too, but just, uh, it's just always fun to hear Bill Murray being candid and not in soundbite, you know, here's five seconds with Bill Murray talking about Ghostbusters. It was fun. It's funny at the end. Uh, just good, good to hear that guy talk for more than a couple minutes. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we have. Oh, uh, let's, let's answer the call stuff. There was actually a few things, I think because the movie is coming out now on, on basic cable and all of the pay channels like stars and, and internationally, um, there have yeah, been a couple the, of things that have popped up. What's the Sony one? Cause that uh, one keeps popping up all over the Sony place. Sony picks, which I think is that's the one. I think that's uh, over in London and India. Guys, correct me if I'm uh, wrong out there. I'm sure that you will. That sounds but, about right. Uh, Sony and picks, because there is a Sony, actual Sony TV channel abroad as yeah. well. Um, they are getting the, the well, what they're calling the world television premiere. Right. Even, even though Stars has had uh, Ghostbusters answer the call for a couple weeks now. Um, but so they're running a lot of, of interviews and articles and, uh, one with Pete Travers, the visual effects supervisor, is the one that kind of caught our eye, Chris, uh, because he's been a little tight-lipped on things. We did see him in some of the DVD and Blu-ray extras, yeah. you know, talking about the visual effects. But, um, you know, there was one uh, that I particularly, I don't know, did you, you read the article, right? Uh, I did. It, the, the one that really I latched onto was he kind of confirmed our suspicions about the uh, LED drones, which we've seen photos of and... We'd kind yeah. of seen in action, you know, he talked about that 
they wanted the creature, the mayhem creature to fly around the room. And so they wanted the eye line to match and they got this drone up there with led lights and flew it around the room. And then everybody knew where to look. Um, he talked about the importance of why they needed to do that because, you know, CG there's the uncanny Valley kicks in and you immediately just, you, you become disinterested, you become unattached to it. There's no stakes to it. And so if you, add these little bits of, of flair of flavor into the visual effects that you're doing. Um, you know, it, it helps make it more believable. And that's, that's kind of what he was getting toward with all of these led effects on the ghosts and with the drones and uh, very, yeah. very cool article. What, what, what else was in that article that you latched onto Chris? I can't, I only have the one little excerpt in here, but I don't remember much more about it. He talked a little bit about the use of, um, LEDs in the costuming as well, right? Which right. I really like, only because that's because the more I think about it, it's something that bugs me more and more. That a lot of people reacted to the ah, the effects look like Scooby Doo, and I'm like, you mean that you know they're kind of bright colored and computer generated, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. most of the ghosts we saw were practical, half right, practical. right. They were they were people in period costume that were then lit and uh and then um um uh, you know had the the layer of cgi you know put over them if you wanted some sort of i think the what's the one i guess the easiest one that comes to mind because i only saw it recently uh when i was skipping around looking for something else in the was the uh uh the the boston uh the boston fan Oh, the, the, yeah, the, the, the guy sitting at the bar, the comedian yeah. whose name I can never remember. I'm sorry, everybody. La- so you're layering in that, you know, the, the skull behind. It's the same for Sparky, too. Yeah. Like you can see yeah. the skull behind the skin and the rib cage like we saw with Eldridge uh, and all that. Um, yeah, I mean, all of those performances started with a human being acting, casting their own environmental light. And then... You, like it's people gave this movie the naysayers gave this movie crap because you know, they wanted something to complain about but this actually by and large the ghost effects are are a good example of what modern effects is supposed to be they're you know what i mean like it's we're supposed to be moving away from from even though the tool set lets us and i think he talked about it too actually now that i think about it good quote on his part that the tool set allows uh, movies to do anything they want but we're kind of not buying them properly do you know what i mean like it's almost like our brains kind of clue in when it goes uh george lucas over the top i don't know right. how to describe it really yeah, whereas yeah. he talked about that it was important that they do these practically because they, they sell better and they do right. Like, um, to be honest, it's like, I only read this a couple of days ago, so I'm still in my brain is still chewing over in the background. But if we go back to, you know, the library ghost, it sells because they start with the actress. And even though they couldn't do the computer effects stuff, they had to do it through editing that you look at a female, like a human ghost optically floating, you know, optically fades out at to her feet, but she's fairly, you know, more solid up top. You then buy that it's a ghost. And then you do that quick cut where it's back to her and it's a flash of human her. And then you do the, uh, 
the the transitional those quick transitions of the model do you know what yeah, i mean from, yeah. from human to they did kind of the same thing uh, now admittedly all their monsters up and up to the end was practical as well but they sold it the same way you put a human in there and then you transpose it into a monster and it sells really well this is kind of you know the the the, the descendant of it that you start with a human performing you know and you marry the effects into it you put practical you know rigs in there you put practical lights in there and then you you know, you add the layers you want yeah. to get to get a more. I don't know. That's me just sort of. That's my late night rambling. <laughs> no, no. I mean, but, I think uh, that makes sense because it also it explains what they did with Slimer too, which is that's what I was hoping for was there would be answers in there as to why they Slimer. didn't use the Slimer, the practical puppet. Yeah. And, and I think you were you kind of you were onto it. There was the having somebody on set to do the reference and, and for the actors to uh, interact with while they're trying to work through the scenes that adds that certain level of believability to it. And then I guess, you know, because the Slimer puppet is there, you also have the sort of physical weight and the camera, um, uh, positioning and framing and everything is, is correct. So that, when they yeah. insert the digital Slimer, it feels a little more realistic and seamless as opposed to, uh, well, we just added that in at the at the end and we weren't really planning for it. Um, not and, and again, not to say that they never plan for these things, but I think, you know, the, for the same reason that they had actors with LED lights and costumes on set with the interactive light that the actors could work with and interact with and... Yeah. and be terrified by it. you know when you see sparky coming toward you with all of the makeup and the lights and everything it it gives them something to interact with it makes it more believable so yeah the two things that came out of this movie and oh god you and i have talked about you and i will talk about this till the end of time yeah the fact that cinefix did not cover this movie when there are yeah. two clear clearly awesome uh if they're not technically you know pioneering it they're at least refining it the use of the drones and not only you know not just as a not just as a fancy replacement for the tennis ball on a stick but to, to let it add in um you know environmental light and the same for the humans right like ah! yeah yeah it's it seems like a missed opportunity so that's why it's it's good to see pete travers talking about it even again it's it's a it's an advertising uh blurb in God, I don't, let's see, do I even have, oh, it was on uh, thehindu.com. So, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like, it's not even coming out of one of the big um, no. movie places like a Cinefix or American Cinematographer, one of those places. But it's again, it's nice to short, have this. Yeah. yeah, it's good to actually it's have, nice to have some it. of this. It's, bit. it's an excuse to, to, <sighs> it's essentially a press release for the, the movie coming out on yeah, TV there yeah. without it being an actual press release. And I can, I can respect that because I get tired of reading, yeah, you know, news yeah. items that are obviously press releases. I like that they put a little bit of sugar in there. And this is just like this guy, the stuff that went into making this movie should be a giant article. somewhere, yeah. And it never got made. So I'll take any <sighs> little bits. We get. Some, yeah. Someday we'll get that big making of book or documentary or something some way, somehow Maybe when Anthony and Claire come up for air after the first two movies, they'll work on the third one. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but so there were some other uh, answer the call anecdotes uh, again, because of, of all of the stuff that's happening with the, the TV broadcast. But um Paul Feig. Oh, this is actually, this is a good uh, transition into talking about Harold Ramis uh, because we did want to spend some time talking about uh, 
dear Harold, uh, who, who, uh, we lost a couple of years ago. Um, you know, uh, again, it, it happened while we were off air, but, uh, two weeks ago. Um, but so, uh, Paul revealed that the Harold Ramis bust that was in the film, uh, was actually given to Harold's widow, Erica. That was like a, a gift at the end of production, uh, to her and, she in turn decided to uh, gift it to the Harold Ramis school at second city. So that's why, because we've seen some photos at the Harold Ramis school of that bust. Uh, I think it's maybe the lobby or one of the hallways of the school itself. Uh, the bust from the movie is sitting out there in the hallway and everybody's going, yeah. wait, did you take the bust from the school? Did the school take it from you? How did that happen? So uh, very, very generous. It was really cool to kind of hear that that's what happened, that it was gifted to uh, Erica Ramis and then, you know, she she turned around and gave it to the school, but um, that was. I think if it's it's a good place for it too, because if you look at that statue, it's more Harold than it is Egon. Yeah, if you know what yeah. I mean. The the twinkle in the eye and the the smile on the face is more. You know, yeah. knowing knowing that uh, Egon is always very uh, stolid and terse and straight laced, um, it it feels like. Yeah, that's that's more Harold than than and it, Egon. It but. very much has Harold's. Um, uh, voluminous hair as opposed to Egon's, <laughs> you know, higher hair, if you know what that's I mean. That's very like, true. Yeah, that's very Egon true. Egon very much has that, you know, short on the sides, big on top, whereas uh, Harold always had that, the, the big all over mane going on. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it's the, the, the statue, look, it's a Harold statue. It's a Harold statue. And it's, it's cool for the students that are going to the Harold Ramis school that they see that as they're walking in and, uh, you know, again, that's, that's the face of your founder right there. That's pretty cool. So, um, I mean, lots of great Harold love, uh, that kind of came out over the last two or three weeks. What, uh, what part should people touch? Assuming it's open to the public, assuming that it's an actual, uh, bronze statue. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's most famous bronze statues have a, so I don't know, um, you're talking you like the to, Stanley Cup, like when you when you take a photo <laughs> with it, like what? <laughs> no, if you go to uh, is it Florence? Uh, you go. There's a market there, and there's maybe I'm conflating the two together, but uh, for the time being, I'll pretend they're they, in my memory. They're close together, but there's a marketplace, and there's a big uh, bronze pig statue. And it's traditional that rubbing the the pig snout is, brings good luck. So, the the bronze is has the patina all over, except for the nose, which is constantly polished, bright and shiny, because people are always <laughs> touching it. And then, somewhere nearby is supposed to be the alleyway that inspired, or who knows, a hundred years ago they just decided this is the alley where Romeo, you know, called out to Juliet. It's like, okay, fine, whatever. It's a tourist thing, maybe. Sure. But yeah. they have a um, uh, a statue of uh, Juliet. And uh, let's say, uh, again, one of these traditions started up that uh, should you happen to, to, to rub, <sighs> should you happen to molest <laughs> The statue Whoa, of a fictional hey underage underage child. Hey <laughs> it's supposed to bring good luck. Same thing though. It's 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 
it, it, the, not just those two statues, but statues of the kissing stone. Like, remember, you got to go up yeah, and the, the Blarney stone, the Blarney the, stone. Yeah, yeah. Statues everywhere tend to have polished parts where people go up and touch hmm. them. I think the there's the dog. Remember in um, in Japan. Uh, uh, our, our pal Naoki would know about this. Well, I can't remember his name, but it was the story of the, the dog who would follow his owner to the train station and he didn't come home because he died oh. one day and the dog hung around. Oh, man. Yeah, it's sad, but, yeah. but the people, the, the city honored the, the, the doggy by putting up the statue. And it's a popular, it's a, again, a traditional place to uh, meet and go get your picture taken. And I believe it's the same deal. People like to pet the dog and as a result... So I don't know what I mean. Hmm. Rub rub his hair, rub like his ha- polish or, his glasses, uh, tweak his nose. Take take a, a Snapchat video of you doing the do run 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 do run run uh, next <laughs> to him. Uh, uh, yeah, what what would you do? <laughs> I don't know. Welcome to tradi- basic English. I am Troy a, Benjamin. A, a tradition should be started. I think. I think that yeah. man uh, needs as many levels of legend. All right. Well, let's uh, let's leave that open to the, into the culture as possible. Let's say uh, what do you what do you guys suggest that uh, the the go to photo is or the go to tradition, so to speak, uh, with the Harold yeah. statues? We so if we all end up going to the Harold Ramis Film School and and getting our picture taken, what are we doing with that uh, statue? Keep it relatively PG thirteen, guys, uh, because poor Harold. We don't want to. I think he would think certain things were funny, but let's keep it in good taste. But yeah, hit us, hit yeah. us up on the voicemail and let us know what you guys are, are thinking. That's that's a that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, one finger, tap the side of his nose, and say one thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. So uh, proton charging, storage of the beast, storage of the beast. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's let's know. ruminate on that, guys. Uh, tell tell us what you think out there. Uh, all right, let's see what else. Uh, oh, hey, Maurice Lamarche. This was this was fun. Um, this I I think this actually happened a year or two ago. Um, but it was on the Kevin Pollock podcast. Chris, do you want to set this up? It's uh, it wasn't a year or two ago. It was uh, like November okay, of so last year, something like late, that. Late last year. Okay, it's relatively recent. But, uh, if I recall correctly, because guest host Sam Levine, um. Uh, was he in Freaks and Geeks? He was in Freaks and Geeks and in right. uh, Glorious Bastards and yeah, that's Sam, right. Sam Levine's uh, everywhere. Yeah, he's a comedian, writer, funny, all around funny guy. Um, he was sitting in. He's been uh, like the 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 Ed McMahon to Kevin's Johnny Carson there for a while, and he was filling in. And he made a point of saying that Kevin uh, was done with the show until 2017. So. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that it did come up. So I, as I recall, it was just, and they did make reference to the election. So it must have been late November. Okay. So yeah. So that's that's true. It it actually yeah. has has been pretty pretty recent. But anyway, so uh, Maurice Lamarche was a guest on on the Kevin Pollock slash Sam Levine uh, podcast, and of course because Sam Levine, uh, child of the '80s, Ghostbusters fan, um, probably not listening to this, but hey, Sam. Uh, but you know, of course conversation shifts from pinky in the brain and, and a lot of Maurice's iconic voices to a uh, ghostbusters. And he, he's really, I, I think this is one of the most articulate interviews that I've heard him give, you know, apart from maybe on the time life DVDs, you know, uh, yeah. he's, 
he's very revealing. And uh, again, knowing that Harold passed away uh, in February of, of 2014, he sort of, he puts things in that spotlight too, which was really um, very, very touching and very poignant to hear. So um, I don't, should we, you want to play the whole thing here, Chris? I think we've, we've got the whole clip here. We can kind of play it and then we can come back. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So here's, here's uh, Maurice on the Kevin Pollock slash Sam Levine podcast. Guys know uh, uh, aloha means hello and goodbye. Mahalo it means thank you. I I didn't know. I thought in some weird way I thought mahalo was almost like interchangeable. It is not. Welcome back to uh, Kevin Pollock's chat show. I am not chat show. No, I am I am Sam Levine, uh, the notorious kick in the side. Have uh, we got a good one for you today? Ho ho! Am I excited? Okay. <clears throat> While you may not recognize my guest from his face alone, I have zero doubts that you've heard his voice many, many, many times. This is not a word I get to use too often in describing someone, but please help me welcome to the chat show the legendary voice artist, Maurice LaMarche. They don't recognize me, <clears throat> but they recognize the voice. The 2016 Lexus GS, once driven, there's no going back. Ooh. We know a remote farm where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, peas grow there. You really mean that? All right. Um, oh, wow. There you I, go. I would have let you see if I for if an you could have seen my face, it would have thrown it because you're going. <laughs> he looks a little bit like a younger Joseph Bologna, or <laughs> maybe uh, Alfred Molina without the hair dye. But you know, I don't really recognize the face. Okay, now I want to talk about uh, another project that is certainly near and dear to the hearts of, uh, of me and uh, Jamie over there. A little, uh, oh boy, talk about the different iterations of this. You got the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. Extreme Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I'm missing any, but we're talking about a, a series of cartoons that stretch from 1986 to 1997, 187 episodes total, yeah. and you played what could... I, I lost count. I mean, somewhere in the hundreds of characters over, the, over this span, but of course, most famously, Egon Spengler. Dr. Egon Spengler. I collect spores, mold, and fungus. It was so... Um, it was... That... that the day we did those auditions, because I always go back to the auditions, because that's sure. the day that's biggest and newest, and you know, will I get this? I remember that you know the waiting room was packed. Everybody wanted to be part of this show. The movie was a hit, and they kept coming out. Michael Gross, God rest his soul, kept coming and going. Now, now remember, don't do the people from the movie, okay? We don't want any impressions, okay? Ernie Hudson's standing right there. How is he not supposed to do an impression of himself? <laughs> and it's the only two black guys there are Ernie Hudson and Arsenio Hall. And Arsenio and I know each other from stand-up. He looks at me and goes, what the f*** am I doing right. here? And I just shrugged and went, I don't know, go yeah. read. It's yeah. always worth a shot. Yeah. And sure enough, Arsenio ended up with the job. Right. I think <laughs> that is insane. I, I, I'm, I'm praying that Ernie had some other commitment. I can't see them <laughs> saying, you're not you enough to play you. Oh, it's he happened. He must have gotten a movie or something I've not like booked that. roles that Nothing against Arsenio. Looking he for Sam Levine type, for the record. Right, of course. Yeah, it's like, you know, get me, get me Sam Levine, get me... Right. Well, no. Well, I'm not going to tell you what happens. <laughs> You're still young. I, don't, it's not even the, give me, give me a more affordable Sam Levine. Affordable. There is no more affordable <laughs> Sam Levine. Scale. It's scale. It doesn't go any lower. What are you? Well, let's go to Canada and work for Canadian scale. There I don't you know. know. 
So I don't know what happened to Ernie Hudson there. Well, I, I don't know, but I don't I've, know. I've actually met Ernie. One of my favorite tw Twitter moments was was meeting Ernie in, I think it was Portland, at a, at a Comic-Con, at uh, Rose City Comic-Con, taking a picture, and then I got the hashtag, when Ghostbusters worlds collide. Mm. You know, and Ernie's always been very nice to me. And, yeah. uh, and so, but getting to play Egon, I had such reverence for that character. Cause, right. Because he was the oddball, and yet he had the affection of the hippest character, Venkman. Right. And I just thought, well, that's really cool. I like that. You but know? when you, when, so when you go into audition, I go in there say, and, and I look at him, and if I'd have seen the blonde hair, if they'd have shown me a model sheet that was colored in, right. I might have tried something else, because he looked very, like, like Nordic. You know, <laughs> he looked like Swedish right. Spengler. I don't know. Right. Like, and clearly, clearly he was a Jew. Yeah. You know, Harold played him. And, you know, it was very much a Jew. There's a Jewish sensibility to, to Jewish nerd sensibility to Egon. And I love the character. And I just got in there and I went, I got nothing except Harold. So I did Harold. And I, you know, I read the spores mold fungus line, and uh, this could be extraordinarily dangerous for Slimer. And Harold had this sort of glottal pullback kind of, you know, it's a very strange voice. I'm not, I didn't even know if I could produce it, but mm -hmm. I got in there, and it, it was close. I wouldn't say it was one of those close your eyes and you'll think it's him, mm -hmm. but it was pretty close to his sensibility and his sound. And I left there, and I was sure I was in trouble. And then I got a call back, and I said, I, I, I'm sorry, I... I I know I did an impression. Did you want me to do something? No, you get to do an impression. You're the only one. Nobody else gets to do an impression. So I ended up with the job and you know, got to play him 187 times. Ugh. So I just hope, I never got to meet Harold. I've, uh, I've, I've, met, I've met Bill for 10 seconds. I've met Dan Aykroyd at Sam Kinison's funeral um, and, and uh, met Ernie, but Harold I never got to meet. Instead of one of those, I've never met uh, Mel Blanc, Orson Welles or Harold Ramis, and yet your personal connections to their to their work, their is, characters, yeah, so strange, is so close and yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to you know just say to them thanks for your work and thanks for letting me, you know, climb up on your shoulders and and uh, and yet still dip my head down below yours because you're the giants, uh -huh. not me, you know. But it was uh, but Harold was uh, was wonderful and amazing and his writing you know changed. Uh, I think it changed. The, the comedy genre in the 80s and 90s, the oh, way he wrote it. Could not agree with you more. Yeah. I know so, Jamie well, feels the exact same way. Yeah. So, yes, Harold is uh, so, near and dear to our and, and his daughter follows, I, I, his daughter and I follow each other on Twitter, and she said some nice things about me, which is Lovely. good because I hoped, I always hoped she she liked my tribute to her dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, uh, we, we all, I mean, when I was watching all those Ghostbusters shows growing up, it was not until I think. I became a big Pinky and the Brain fan, and then it was pointed out to me that the Brain is the same actor who does Egon in all the Ghostbusters, and I went, no. No, that, that can't be right. There was a little while there where I was playing like four geniuses, four scientific geniuses. I was also on a show called Space Goose where I played a character named, a character named Etno, who sounded like James Mason, but he was the scientist of the group, the bright one. And I was also doing Splitsy and Doctor uh, and Doctor Splits on mm -hmm. on Space Monkeys, who was also a you know he was done as John Houseman, but he was he was the scientist, he was the genius. And then of course he had this moment where he split into Splitsy, who was like the mechanic, <laughs> you know. And and so um, you know I was like going, wow, if only I'd like applied myself in school, I might actually like be a real scientist. You know, I'm playing like, one is way more fun. A, it probably is, <laughs> but I mean, I'm a friggin' high school dropout. Why am I getting all these smart characters? It's really weird. <laughs> poor, poor Ernie Hudson. 
Chris. I, I mean, yeah. we've, we've known this story. We know that Ernie Hudson auditioned to play the character that he actually played in the films. And it's just, every time I hear it, I just cringe. It's like curb your enthusiasm. I get so, it's just so awkward and you feel so terrible for poor Ernie Hudson. What the best about it is, uh, Maurice sitting there going, I have to assume he must've had some other job. It's like, no, <laughs> no, he did not. Well, and, and, uh, Arsenio Hall's it. reaction, like, why the hell am I here? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> I, I thought that was really funny, but um... it was uh, it was interesting that again we've heard bits and pieces of you know like Ernie saying he went into audition, but this is uh, Lamarche actually talking about the day of auditions, right? Like, yeah, yeah. and talking about both of them being there, and you know, talking you know about Arsenio Hall obviously being brought in for the Winston part and Winston's there and wondering what the hell, you know, it's just, it's, it's the most we've heard about it in a while. So, yeah. Uh, if, yeah. if ever, I think. And, and very, um, very respectful of Harold too. That's, I mean, that was why we yeah. kind of did the segue into this is because of the way that he spoke of his respect for Harold and, and of course not trying to do a Harold impression, um, but uh, kind of veering in that direction and, yeah, it's just it's a it's a shame. I wish that these two would have uh, met, that they would have been able to actually meet each other and and talk to each other. But um, yes, I I particularly like the bit where he got he was the only one that was allowed to to do an impression. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody else gets to do an impression. You get to do an impression. <laughs> At least until Dave Coulier is hired later on, and they're like, why uh, why does Peter Venkman not sound like Bill Murray? But so yeah, so very very cool clip. Um, I'm I'm glad you you tracked that down because that was that was a lot of fun. I've, yeah, I, I missed it. I it just sort of it was well, well I was busy buying a house. Yeah, <laughs> My yeah, life was happens. in disarray at the time, so and I and it I was the holidays, one. and you know, yeah. it's we do try our best, guys, to sort of sift through everything and make sure that we hit all the highlights for you. But uh, inevitably, stuff will slip through the cracks. So that that was oh, one yes. of them. But good good timing on that. Uh, so let's see. Uh, oh, hey, uh, good news for people that have yet to experience the Ghostbusters Dimension experience out there in New York City. The Void has finally announced that they are going to expand to other cities. Now, we don't know what cities. We do know that they're aiming for 20. Uh, they're calling them stages across yeah. the country this year, uh, across the U.S. But And again, we okay. also don't know if it's Ghostbusters. That's the other thing, too. They're, the Void is expanding, but we do not know if Ghostbusters is expanding. Well, okay, two things. One, the packs are universal. Right. right. You wear the yeah. pack and the stuff. You can apply any content package to it. It could be the aliens. Th- it could be anything. Yeah. My point my point is though it is relatively cheap to copy the Ghostbusters one all over the place. It's not like they say it costs X amount to set it up in New York and then then we'll have to replicate that cost entirely all over again to put it in LA. Everything already exists now. Yeah. That's right. It's the initial setup of the the technology. The only real cost is setting up the the constrained spaces to match the the, the virtual content. And even that is... That's all blueprinted, right? Like you, somebody just goes in and, you know, saws everything into place properly. Yeah, and I would imagine their their VR goggles and their haptic uh, suits. That's all proprietary. That they have to. That there's cost there too. But you're right. There's no development anymore. They have the software. They have yeah. everything in place. Um, it's just 
you know, now they just have to mass produce it. So I think, I think you're I right. I think Ghostbusters expands and then it becomes something else. Maybe you can go and you can pay for the alien experience at four o'clock and then go into Ghostbusters at 6 PM or something like that. Um, yeah. Or depending on where you move, like New York is a very constrained city. So, you know, maybe they only put the one experience at a time and much like a Broadway show, you better go see it while it's right. there or yeah. you're in trouble. By the time they start opening up other ones, they'll have extra content packages. But L.A., uh, space to spare. So maybe yeah, you set yeah. up multiple experiences under one roof. So you can go to the Aliens one and or the Ghostbusters one. or the. Uh, and I did say L.A. because I w- did want to point out that even though we don't know what the 20 cities are, I think we can take a good stab at guessing the top five at least. Yeah, I would imagine. And especially knowing my guess is that this is a reaction to um, because here in L.A., the IMAX VR just opened up where you can yeah. uh, go in and, and be Luke Skywalker with a late, uh, lightsaber and you're fighting stormtroopers and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, th- I think the void saw that and they're like, OK, the competition is coming. We got to expand. We got to start hitting going. other markets. And so I think you're absolutely right. Um, so things things closely tied to tourism first so la is a given i would say florida uh, would probably be on there as well somewhere in florida yeah. so close to where, uh, orlando like, area I yeah guess. universal would like at city walk or something like that would be my guess um uh, what else san francisco maybe uh, san francisco m- maybe there's yeah. a big population in California. I mean, I'd I say think Las Vegas would be next. Oh shoot! Yeah, that's that would a good be one. my some in one of those hotels. They set up some space somewhere. Um, right, so that's a solid top three. We're Orlando, missing like Midwest, LA. and you know, I would actually wager Vancouver. I, I mean, they did say that it was. I think they just said twenty across the country, <laughs> but I would imagine that there's got to be like a. Uh, Toronto or Vancouver <laughs> or say, bless your little heart that you said Vancouver, but it'll always go to Toronto. First. Yeah, yeah, because Toronto is the center of the universe. <laughs> A little bit. Of I don't want to I go to Toronto. It. I sense it. They have taxes on their wicker goods. <laughs> um, sorry, that's that's deep cuts for Canadian comedy fans. There, uh, they don't have bagels in Toronto. <laughs> they have edible oil products. Um. Uh, Mall of America, yeah, Mall of yeah, Mall like a Minnesota. Yeah, there's your Midwest. There's right your Midwest. There. Yeah, that's or Chicago might be a good. Yeah, oh, a good that's venue true. for it. Uh, like and House then, of Blues in Chicago. That to me, that's a no-brainer. That's uh, gotta. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, I think Atlanta is a good bet. Yeah, it, man, Atlanta is expanding like crazy. Yeah, uh, Georgia, Georgia Ghostbusters. You guys better get ready because with all of the expansion <laughs> in Atlanta right now and all of the development and stuff, I'm, I think that's that's uh, the next Hollywood right there. Yeah, um, I think there's an argument to be maybe made for New Orleans. Um, yeah, yeah, but so we're, we're only at town. like six or seven at this point, right? So uh, I know, but I think they'll hit the big ones first and then kind of go from there. Yeah, it would also make sense. They would do sort of a traveling roadshow kind of thing where uh, maybe it pops oh. up in Denver and Utah and all sorts See, of different I places. See, I assume these 20 were installations, but you think they might yeah, be. Yeah, I would think so. But maybe, you know, thematically they could do one at Halloween in Texas or something, you know, uh, who knows. But Well, that is the beauty of the technology is, again, you just need a space and you need the blueprints to make the the practical space and the gear 
It's not like you need fancy projectors. It's not like you need you. All you need is whatever their Wi-Fi connection and computer setup to transmit to the packs. The packs yeah. can go anywhere. So yeah. yeah, it's imminently you know it can move around. I mean, well, at the end of the day, ooh, you could hook that up to Conklin's, take it on the. Uh, <laughs> Uh, take it to the uh, the various fairs. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's part of the spring uh, fair, the fall, whatever it is. Uh yeah, that would be a lot of fun too. But so it we'll we'll keep you guys posted when we hear when it's coming to your town if it's coming to your town. Um also worth uh correcting, I misspoke uh, a couple weeks ago, the VR award that Ghostbusters received, it was indeed for the Void Ghostbusters Dimension experience. It was not for the app. So, uh womp womp. Yeah, cut cut to me saying, I don't understand. The Void was a whole lot better. Why did the app get it? Well, yeah, because the Void got the award. I'm an idiot. So, uh, correction there. Cut to me going, womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, womp, womp. <laughs> Good afternoon, Cross Rip. This is Joe Riccadelli, Atlanta Ghostbusters. Wanted to answer your question from, I don't know if I'm going to be too late for this, but the, when you asked about it, you would live at uh, Spook Central. And my honest answer is, yeah, I'd probably agree to it, uh, as long as I could afford to live there. Um, until, you know, if we're talking about in the real world, until uh, I probably had my first uh, you know, paranormal experience, and then we'll take it from there. But... Yeah, I'd be hoping to hoping to have a ghostly encounter, and then if it actually happens, we'll see how I would handle that in real life. Um. All right. Let's see. All right. We're about to get into merch stuff, Chris. Let's before we do that, let's let's do another contest. Do you feel like doing another contest? No. All right. Yes. Never Sorry. mind, everybody. You don't get free stuff. Uh, no, let's let's run another contest for you guys. We have, uh, thanks to the good folks here at uh, Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, we have one of the box sets of real Ghostbusters, uh, the new DVD box set that has the five volumes in it. Uh, very very yeah. lovely package that they have sent our way. Um, and you know what? We we're out of your voices. We we need you guys to call in so that we can start putting those lovely promos in the middle of the episode again with with everybody's voices. So. Here's, here's what I want you guys to do. Call into our voicemail line, and we're going to do the exact same thing that we did uh, for the Boo It Forward contest. If you guys call in and you leave the voicemail that says, Hi, my name is... And obviously, state your name. Don't say state your name because that joke's played out. And then say, and I am the, and I am a participant in the biggest interdimensional cross-rip since 1909. So to say those exact words, we'll put it up on our social media and then leave us a little something like your email address or your phone number in order to contact you with. Leave that on the voicemail. We will choose one person at random that we will deliver this uh, real Ghostbusters set to. So, uh, and, and if you've already won something from us or if you've already participated, uh, let, let the other folks uh, chime in. Let's let somebody else new win. That would be a lot of fun. But so, yeah, call that voicemail line. Leave that number. We'll choose somebody at random. And uh, let's do it. Let's say it's March so let's say March 14th is the deadline. If you can call in before March 14th, that's that's the last time that we will accept your entries. So let's let's do that. Win a DVD, it'll be a lot of fun. You can watch some real Ghostbusters episodes with your kids on DVD. A lot, lot of cool stuff. So that was a good segue to talk about merchandise because. <laughs> 
as expected, there was a lot of merchandise news that happened while we were off the air too because of Toy Fair and because of, uh, of so many other different things. We do, we're going to talk about Playmobil. Um, they were there, uh, the New York Ghostbusters, the New Jersey Ghostbusters, they were all at Toy Fair. They were representing there. They saw all of this stuff up close and personal, took a lot of really great photos. Um, I kind of want to save talking about that stuff, Chris, until next week because we have some special guests on the podcast. Uh, so, yes. I mean, maybe let's let's save that in-depth discussion about that stuff. But let's talk about Diamond Select. I think that's something that we need to sort of dive into here because they showed off what well, kind of a, a whole new lineup of toys. They showed one new toy and a prototype of a background and a cardboard representation placeholder something of, of a toy that I'm actually really excited about. Uh, Diamond Select, of course, we know they have been really long time uh, friends of the podcast, have been doing a lot of really great Ghostbuster stuff. They have introduced at Toy Fair 2017 Ghostbusters 2 figures, including Vigo the Carpathian, which was the figure that we saw at Toy Fair. That's right. uh, very cool. He's got that kind of like pucker sour face that when he gets stuck back in the painting, you know, he's, he's got that face uh, going for him. Uh, but the second figure that they revealed was Janos Poha. And he's wearing, at least in their cardboard, uh, again, representation placeholder, whatever, for the for the investors that are coming to the booth. Uh, he's wearing the like trench coat and the, the tie and everything that we see him at, uh, the museum. And so, no, please, the joyfulness <laughs> is over. Slides are available in the gift shop. Uh, so yeah, Janos Poha for the first time ever, we're actually getting in a actual, uh, action figure format. We've gotten him in Ecto minis and Titans and, and sort of all of the stylized figures, but this is the first time we're actually getting a proper Janos figure. Correct. Uh, uh, Peter McNichol must be overjoyed. I don't think he is, but he's probably <laughs> overjoyed that he's an action figure now. Uh, but I think the other cool thing about this, Chris, uh, is the diorama because they've done the <laughs> Temple of Zool that I have no room for, and we've talked about it at great length. Uh, and now they're like, hey, you guys, you have room in your house for one more diorama? Here's another giant size one that's coming with the next Suckers. wave. Suckers. Uh, and so, uh, this is now, uh, again, a, a huge thing that you're going to need another one of those, uh, flat file, uh, tables for, but it's the Ghostbusters firehouse with interchangeable yep. Ghostbusters one and Ghostbusters two signs. Um, shout out to the, uh, yes, have some guys. They have confirmed that the next wave or waves, I should say, are going to have 15 total figures. So I'm guessing you need all 15 of those figures to build the firehouse, <sighs> which is... Oh my God! So another five waves of three, as with the current ones. Right, right, and so probably in very small chunks. Uh, and one of those figures will come with uh, the Ghostbuster sign, and one of those figures will come with the Ghostbusters two sign. <laughs> in other words, we're going to be buying a lot of figures if you want that Ghostbusters firehouse. Um, but uh, so let's let's speculate just for a second here, Chris, because the, the show, as we expected, is running long again this week, but. Uh, what are those other figures? What are we, if we've got Vigo and we've got Janosch, uh, we'll have the four guys again, four guys in Ghostbusters two uniform, probably with slime blowers, uh, where appropriate. That yeah. would be my guess. So that's another four, five, six. All right. What are the other figures? 
Lewis in earmuffs and uniform. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's a good variant. Uh, late 80s uh, style in Janine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, red red hair, Bob Janine. Yeah. I think um, uh, maybe a mom Dana with a little tiny uh, oh, with Oscar. A, with a, a baby carriage. That might be, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, um, I'm just worried because so we're still not even at ten here. There's going to be more not. variants. There's going to be like slimed Ray, and there's going to be like uh, uh, Splash Mommy Dana. Yeah, I'm I'm down with you <laughs> there. I'm I like I like what you're I'm picking up what you're putting down, man. Uh, <laughs> Splash Mommy Dana. Hey, um, I, don't, I mean, <coughs> there's uh, well, there's so many to choose from though. Like there's the three uh, sewer outfit. Ray Egon and Winston. In their pajamas, um, the pajama party. Yes, slime pajama versions of them. Do you think we get a Mayor Lenny? Or like a Jack Hardemeyer? Like, are those are they action figure worthy, I wonder? Well, it's a nice symmetry to the first set where we did get a, uh, uh, a Peck. Yeah, Peck and Janine. So if, if a Hardemeyer or maybe a, a Mayor Lenny Clotch... I'm trying to think who else would be appropriate. Mayor Lenny would be nice, but I I don't know. I, yeah, I mean that's that's I, I'm 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 voicing my concern now that we're heading down Mattel territory here, where it's going to yeah. be like uh, Marshmallow Ray, uh, Quentin Time Ray, uh, it's Ray the same problem. with socks on. Like yeah, it's I, the same problem as as before too, though, which is they're like, well, we'd like to give you new stuff, but they're not as popular. And we're afraid it won't sell. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I'm, I mean, unless they start doing other ghosts, like that's the other thing that they could they could dip into maybe some Scolari yeah. brothers, uh, another another Ghostbusters two Slimer that kind of thing, um, which is also a possibility. I mean, we we have seen them do what is it? It's the taxi cab <laughs> ghost and yeah. Well, we could do a, a, a bus driver Slimer, maybe. Uh, yeah, bus driver Slimer. I bet. Uh, yeah, that would be a like, get get Robin Shelby to slime that or slime <laughs> sign <laughs> that one. I'd. Uh, boy, yeah. I mean, <sighs> but still, I think we're uh, even if we've mentioned all of these ideas. I I think now we're at fifteen. So yeah. you know, here's I. The the diamond people are very clever and they they have their ducks in a row. So I I, I don't want to sound too pessimistic and uh, start making people well, start clutching the pearls here. But I yeah, I wonder what those fifteen toys are actually going to be. I'm looking to my side here. We have a the first series has two Rays, two Peters, uh, and then an Egon and a Winston. We just saw there's a a marshmallowed variant of Winston. Oh, right. There's marshmallow Winston, but that's, I think that's still considered the first, the first one. Yeah. So I'm assuming there must be a double Egon coming as well. Would that be right? 11, 12, 13. Would it be marshmallow <laughs> Egon? I guess. Maybe. I don't know. And then um, know. they got like a Zool. They got a, or Gozer rather a Gozer. Um, the terror dogs. Yeah, why don't I have hmm. the terror dogs? 
Oh, they're there. It's, no, no, it still didn't get Teradogs, but there's a slime. That's why I had yeah. Okay, 12. Um, boy. It's going to be yeah, a lot I'm, of figures. And and I don't know that they're all necessarily Ghostbusters 2 themed either. That's that's the other thing that we're not entirely sure on. So. Well, if you your diorama is a fire hall that can be, you know, have the Ghostbusters 1 or Ghostbusters 2 sign. Eh, that does leave it open a bit more to... Yeah, we could have some have first on. movie characters coming in here too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll try to get maybe we can get Zach Oat back on the uh, show to reveal yeah. a few things when they're ready for us. But uh, in the meantime, I don't know, man. What are those fifteen figures going to be? Could be <laughs> could be anything at this point. I'm still holding out for the horse and carriage. <laughs> Uh, with driver, <laughs> That's, with Danny Stone. I want my I Danny say, Stone yeah, we, figure. You put that in Zach's uh, ear last time he was here, but <laughs> I don't know. Unfortunately, uh, that deluxe figure does not seem to be on the horizon. Or maybe it is. Maybe maybe the horse and carriage is one, and Danny Stone is the other one. And there, there's two figures right there. But yeah, who knows? Um, yeah. yeah, the second one. Strangely enough, it's yeah, it's kind of. Um, Thin on the ground for characters that aren't, you know, the core characters. Yeah, which I it's a good problem. I mean, I would never have thought that we'd be on a podcast talking about like, I don't know what figures they're gonna do at this point, man, because they've <laughs> got everything. Uh talk about a, a a turnabout from whatever it was, uh five, ten years ago where we're like, God, why don't we have movie accurate figures? Yeah. <sighs> so Well yeah, zombie yeah, zombie taxi drivers coming. In the first wave, isn't he not? Yeah, taxi driver is is on the way. That's, is on the way, and that's so, that's with the the Vincent Zool terror dogs, right? Yeah, that's also in that same wave. I mean, I think you're right. There's possibly room for the Scalari brothers. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, they didn't really. There weren't a lot of ghosts running through yeah. the second one. Uh, <laughs> Dana's superintendent. He's not the doorman. <laughs> He's carrying a couple <laughs> grocery bags. Uh, I still argue that, yeah, I think a, a Dana with Oscar is a good bet. Um, I mean, if you're if they're doubling up on the main, I mean, why not a uh, a nanny Janos to go with it? Oh, do oh, do you think we actually get two Janos figures? That's interesting. Well, that would be yeah. We get normal Janos, and then we get uh, yeah, uh, ghostly carriage Janos. But see, yeah, this this is where it gets kind. Of, but you I, know, you might be able to without, like, do you do a you know pig faced or you know demon pig faced uh, possessed ray, or is that just an interchangeable head? That's true, interchangeable uh, that's head. My oh, guess that'd be too. good. That'd be a good one. Because if if you've got Ray in the Ghostbusters two uniform with the slime blower, it just <laughs> pop that head off and pop the <laughs> yeah possessed right, ray know, head on there i don't know if zach Oat listens but if you do uh rain slicker you know subway uh <laughs> tunnel winston he needs a swappable head with his uh scared one <laughs> with his with hair his, sticking with straight his up hair straight up his <laughs> eyes crossed yeah his mouth again uh, that's pretty good that needs to be an interchangeable oh, head. oh god all right that would be i yeah. missed it I actually, uh, <laughs> I would, I would hope they do that instead of doing another courtroom variant because we've already got the courtroom figures from Mattel and uh, they're kind of boring. They're kind of boring. Um, yeah, 
so rain rain slicker uh yeah do the rain slicker guys that'd be, That'd be a lot a good of fun. One. yeah and each one comes with at least one head on a pike like i think <laughs> that's a good extra to go with it <laughs> and oh you uh, laugh i'm deadly that, serious that would be yeah but it has to be that one that's exactly in close up with the white hair and the, that's got to be that one yeah. Uh all right. Well so uh Diamond and oh so we haven't even talked there's the Vinny Mates, Viny Mates. Well, how do you uh, want to say that? Mini Mates, I would say Vinny Mates. Vinny Mates. But it yeah, just sounds to... weird. I'm not even sure what Vinny is supposed to mean like you'd almost think they'd call them you know, maxi mates or something like, well, is like it I because they're trying to, is it like the pop vinyl? Is that kind of what they're oh, like trying to I dip see. into is my guess? I don't know. Well, that's slightly cumbersome. But, yeah. Uh, but so, uh, but there's they, more coming. Hooray! There's more of those coming. That's great. Uh, we got to look at a couple of those. Um, I mean, it was the, again, it was toy fair. So there's so much to, I, we're an hour and a half into the podcast. We can't, possibly talk about all of them, but the, the Vinnie mates looked awesome. Those are on the way. Um, cryptozoic was showing off some great stuff. Um, and I'm sure because it was toy fair, it's actually in the industry. And, and we do know for a fact that a few, uh, ghost core people were out there, uh, maybe shaking some hands, kissing some babies, making some deals. So, uh, good, good chance that, uh, there's more stuff on the way that we did not see, but is, is in the works. Um, uh, let's see. All right. Two more things on the rundown here, Chris, uh, really quick. Well, let's just t- touch on the IDW Funko one shot that's coming. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's across their entire lineup. So they're doing uh, Ninja Turtles, X-Files, Strawberry Shortcake. They're doing the, the whole IDW line for the most part is getting the Funko pop treatment. That's um, right. very, I, uh, there was a weird reaction to this. I can't really yeah. quite explain it. Um, I was like, Oh, that's cute. That's really fun. And, but there was, I don't know. For every uh, reaction, there is an opposite reaction on the internet now, apparently. And there were people that were really upset by this. And I'm not entirely sure why. I think... I honestly think there's a, a, a reaction to a lot of stuff like this where... I don't know. People mistrust too much of a good thing. Um, and I think there's a point where people decide that it's you know they're too cool for school so, so now's the time to poo poo it and, and is that towards is that towards the pop vinyls or that's toward ghostbusters that's what i don't quite understand is it people that are reacting to it much in the way yeah. that like the people look at the my little pony stuff and like oh god my little pony why you know i well it's not like they're complaining about the funko pops so obviously it's something to do about the like they feel that it's something cheap about the Funko mm. Pops doing one-off Ghostbusters it's stuff. Like oversaturating like, well, them or something. I don't know. I don't know. It I feels a lot it. like the people who say, you know, I'm getting really burnt out on Marvel's, you know, on superhero movies. I'm like, six-year-old self should go through time and <laughs> kick you in the nuts. Okay, like, right. yes, there's lots, and maybe you don't. You're getting tired of them or whatever. But I'd rather have you know torrential rain than drought. Okay, like. <laughs> you can decide to not go see them all. This thing where people are like, there's too much. Well, you're not forced to consume it. You don't have to. Yeah. And, and (laughs) if it's not your cup of tea, you still have, you know, we've got uh, ghostbusters one one that is coming out. I think on March 15th, I don't, IDW guys help us out here with these release dates because they (laughs) keep moving around. But I will uh, say, I will say this, this, I mean, this, let's put it this way Funko 
has probably helped pump a little bit of money into IDW to keep the Ghostbusters oh, license. Abs- moving absolutely. Forward. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and I think it's also an excellent way to attract people who aren't currently reading it because you know the inside of that book is going to be covered with the timeline you know trade paperback uh library two-page spread you know i mean the full page ad for go by ghostbusters 101 it's just it the whole thing is idw uh working with funko pop is going to pay to advertise the ghostbusters comics i'm yeah. okay with that yeah and it's just it's just a one shot too if you don't like it it's going to be over in a month like just, it just, just walk away yeah like it's let's put it this way i i i am amazed at how big funko pops has gotten the fact that you can buy not one not two but four coffee table books <laughs> of all the Funko Pops they've made, and That's they're making true. more because yeah. they won't stop making Funko Pops. Oh my god! Um, yeah, there's a whole says, aisle at Toys R Us at this point of nothing but Funko Pops. Yeah, you and I talked about this, but yeah, there's so many Funko Pops that they're spilling over into other places. I went to Dollarama, and they had a couple of the uh, Tomorrowland Funko Pops, which obviously weren't selling very well, so they just sort of dumped them over yeah. into there. Um, but anything and but, everything is getting the Funko Pop treatment now, which is not a bad thing. I I dig it. Yeah, it's the. I think you and I talked about this before. It's kind of like the Beanie Baby phenomena, yeah. only whereas the Beanie Babies were created out thin air, and people just after a while went, you know what? I've seen a stuffed cat already. I'm done. These ones have a property attached to them, which means there's already a built-in attraction to get them. So if you make them if there's a movie you buy the license you make a funko pop out of it even though theoretically the world is saturated in funko pops there's always a market for that particular movie yeah Uh, Yeah. it's not relying solely on people who like the funko pops as funko pops you can bet that the fans of the license you've bought will keep these things going and as a result i don't know what the upper (laughs) limit for funko pops is but obviously they're doing well enough that they're you know, they're well. How many? How much money did they pay into IDW? That what? There's five or six books that they're. And yeah, I mean, to the point that it's a tie-in that's in, uh, completely across their lineup. So. Yeah. So uh, Ghostbusters, that's, Turtles. That's like good. Um, it's a good chunk of change. I'm sure that ugh. they they are paying. That's that's a a product placement and a half there. That's a good advertisement. So. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, there's probably weird little intricacies, but you yeah. know. Funko Pops is their license, but the Ghostbusters is something they've licensed off of Sony. So to work with another license holder to put a, I don't know. I've seen, Ugh. yeah, the lawyers, uh, the veins are popping out in their foreheads right now. They're trying to figure That's out right. all of the logistics of this. Well, it's a licensed property of a licensed property That's being right. licensed to another licensor. <laughs> just the fact that there was a contract signed for this is a miracle on its own but uh yes. so the invoice the invoice the lawyer invoices have started flowing they don't even know <laughs> for what it's just going that we don't um, know why yeah so uh fun funco uh one shot on the way of course ghostbusters 101 hitting shelves uh, probably soon it may be hitting this week as you listen to this it is probably hitting on march 15th because that was the original release date so uh we'll, can't we'll see wait, can't wait i'm super excited again we will have a cyclotron to talk about that so so don't sweat that um you know okay chris it's we're at 137 so long yeah. episode 
but not that the article it's not the longest and there was the ghostbusters 2 article that i feel like we do need to talk about this week <laughs> do, you, do you got it in you do you want to talk about that ghostbusters 2 article yes let's do it all right all right so for those of you who have not lightning seen round it, lightning round uh it was on where is it on the rundown who put this out oh whatculture.com uh, they they did an article on the 10 overlooked positives about Ghostbusters 2. And this is them saying, you know what, for all of the flack that Ghostbusters 2 gets, it's actually a fun movie. And here are the clickbait 10 reasons why. And of course, you have to hit the next button to go through each one of them. It so you get all 10 ads and full on clickbait that I would not clickbait. have dealt with if it wasn't for the fact that. Ghostbusters 2 does deserve more love than it, it does. It does. So so let me run through the 10, and then you and I maybe can talk about what we agree with, what we disagree with, or what we think they left out. Is that cool? That's right. We'll okay. see you in two hours, kids. We'll see you in two hours. So 10, uh, the hilarious New York satire. Of course, they talk about New Yorkers uh, hating each other. It's their God-given right. That was one of the things that they loved. Uh, number yep. nine, that it's genuinely creepy. They talked about that it varies in tone. There are the scary parts, like the heads on pikes that we talked about earlier in the show. Yeah, it is a much, it is a, yeah, creepy is a good way to go. Um, yeah. Ghostbusters 1 does not have quite the same type of moments as Ghostbusters 2 has. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's still um, kind of creepy, but uh, Ghostbusters 2 well, kind of amps it up a little bit. Well, yeah, the Titanic shows up. That is creepy. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not a weird, you know, I, I don't know. It's not an abstract like the ghosts, you know, often are. This is, you know, thousands of people have, have, are disembarking a ghost ship. That's, that's yeah. kind of creepy dark. And you, uh, you have a Carpathian that wants to inhabit the body of a small infant child too. That's a little, uh, yep. uh weird. Absolutely. Uh, for parents. Uh, let's see what else we got. Number eight, it's familiar, and they say that that's a good thing. Uh, they reference, you know, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Uh, of course, everybody criticized it because it was familiar, but at the same time, familiarity, especially in something like this, not necessarily a bad thing. They love that it was the four Ghostbusters. They go through the same rounds. They fight the same ghosts. You know, there's there's comfort food in that. Uh, so they they talk about that. Uh, seven Egon's expanded role. You get a lot more from Dr. Egon Spangler, which they enjoyed, including all the stuff at his advanced theoretical research facility. Um, uh, all of that six, they say the villains are a major improvement. Mm, Debatable. I mean, I guess what they call out is that Janos and Vigo, you know, that they're what their plan is. And, and there's a little more effort that goes into what the villains are doing as opposed to, you know, just trying to take over the world and possessing poor Dana Barrett. Yeah. See, it was never really explained what Gozer was about. Like we, we never meet the cultists. We never hear what their plan is. We just yeah. know that they built a temple to call in a creature that was then going to destroy the world. Why? Right. Yeah, to bring about the end of the world <laughs> just because, I don't well, know. Whereas in this one, it's a powerful magician that cheats death and intends to come back and wreak havoc again. Yeah. Wants to rule Locked. the world. Got it. Makes sense. So, yeah, so villains are a major improvement, even though uh, the ending it is a little easy to defeat Vigo. <laughs> um, they, they don't really mention that, but... Uh, Number five, Peter Vankman gets humanized. Of course, this is something that since day one of the podcast, we have talked about that Vankman is kind of a creep and uh, that first movie would not fly in 2017. Uh, So they make him a lot more human. He's got his talk show. He's dealing with uh, Oscar and 
sort of staring mortality and being an adult in the face and much more humanized yeah. Peter Vankman. He's not womanizing and shocking poor coeds and you know. Yeah, he turns into a uh, well, a bit of a, a bit of a dad. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not carrying Thorazine around that we're he, aware he, of. He becomes a you know a bit bit more of a husband and a bit more of a dad. Yeah, yeah. So this, definitely, you know. I mean, agree with that one. That's that's a good one. Uh, four, they say that the courtroom scene is awesome. I would agree there. That's that's yes. a, a Ivan Reitman sure can direct a courtroom scene, as we have <laughs> seen in Evolution and Dave and all sorts of places. So uh, he loves his courtrooms. Uh, Legal Eagles, of course. Anyway. I was about to say. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number three, uh, it's incredibly self-deprecating. Uh, that was that was one that was surprising to me because I hadn't really caught on to that until they really pointed it out that um, their interpretation of the He-Man birthday party scene was a little self-deprecating humor that the sequel should have come out a few years uh, prior to that. That it took them, you know, yeah. five years to get a sequel off the ground, and of course, uh, kids uh, have grown up and attention spans have waned and. Uh, so their, their interpretation of that is that they're poking fun at themselves. And I, I thought that's really yeah. funny. That makes a their, lot of sense. Their television ad is certainly, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, slightly goofier than their first one. Yep. And, and sort of it, much in the way that gremlins Two sort of pokes fun at sequels, you know, that television ad. And, uh, I mean, God, just the fact that the, the logo itself, uh, is throwing up a peace sign as the number two, you know, they're really, <laughs> They're really playing with the fact that this is a sequel. It's, it's self-aware. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, they say the baby is not annoying. I would agree there. Oscar, uh, babies and toddlers and kids, uh, look at Blues Brothers 2000. What's the number one complaint about Blues Brothers 2000? Buster Blues, unfortunately. So uh, Yeah, Oscar is downright adorable. Yeah, he's cute, and he doesn't get in the way, and you feel bad for that guy when he's flying across the room and turning into Vigo's face. Uh, and he's even a setup for at least a couple of, uh, okay, at least one solid uh, audio joke, which uh, is very subtle, which is the, uh, I think it's the bit where he, uh, Venkman, uh, you know, does the, uh, you know, one side shorty or whatever. Yeah. No, he. he oh. So she, Dana's holding uh, Oscar, and he goes in for for a kiss. Kind of, you know, make room, short stuff, or so. Yeah. I forget the exact line. <laughs> and you hear a little baby, <laughs> like, like he's ma- <laughs> making some sort of <laughs> raspberry noise at him for getting pushed aside. Like, yeah. That's ah, subtle. Um, yeah. yeah. No, not not annoying at all. Even even in the scary bits where most places would go. And now the baby screams like a banshee. Nope. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's he's relatively calm considering that he's standing up on that ledge and uh Nanny Yanosh is reaching out for him. That's that's downright terrifying as a kid. So uh <laughs> yeah, not not annoying. And then the number know. one reason Bobby Brown's On Our Own is an undeniable <laughs> classic. Of course, Bobby Brown's On Our Own. It uh, is. Uh, no, no disagreements there. That it's you hear it here on the podcast. It still holds up in my uh, humble opinion. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I a good list of ten. What what do you think they missed, Chris? What uh, what was on that list, or what was not on that list that you were surprised that they didn't mention? Oh, I 
I think credit's got to be given to the effects. They never mentioned the effects. Oh yeah, ILM uh, really up the ante with the the effects and the and again they're all Way practical up. effects. We're still not in the yep. digital age, so it's all optical photochemical uh, effects uh, that they're doing. Yeah, the difference between eighty four and eighty nine, the these two movies are a good snapshot of the late 70s, early 80s level of practical film effects. Right, yeah. And the end of the 80s, um, you know, the edge of computers coming in, uh, practical, uh, you know, optical effects. Um, Because, you know, that whole industry just skyrocketed in a 10-year period. Yeah. Stuff they could do. Um, And it, it... you know, like I said, the the second movie is leaps and bounds. Like <laughs> the stuff they pulled off in that just looks so amazing compared to the some of the stuff in the first one. Like it's going back to the library ghost, which looks great, but that's you know that was the best they could push out in '84. Yeah, yeah. Compared to you know, if you imagine the Scalari brothers that they you know pumped out in for the second one, like. Again, practical effects, optical, you know, you know, you know, uh, effects. Uh, but just, I don't know. There's something slightly more puppety about, um, uh, about you know, the library ghost that isn't isn't there um, in the in the second movie with you know the Scleries and all that. So yeah, I feel like it's Mer. for for the same reason. Not to bring up Gremlins two again, but you know, Gremlins two had that. Um, Oh, I'm blanking on the name of the technology, but it's they could play the audio through the um, the lips of the gremlins, so that you know when Tony Randall was speaking, the lips of the gremlin were moving to Tony Randall's yeah. pre-recorded audio. And you look at that compared to the original Gremlins, and you go, "Oh my god, it's like leaps and bounds." It, it's still the same puppetry, it's still the same animatronics, but there's just that extra little bit of spark of life that. You know, you get out of uh, of the Scolari brothers or of the new uh, Slimer, or um, it, it's it's just it's just a little bit more, and it's just those advancements that happen in five years. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you there. Small, small, small sidebar. Uh, I was talking to somebody that um, you know now that Turtles are big again. If they ever you know Blu-ray up the uh, the originals, the eighties, yeah. Uh, they need to take that opportunity to show the world how you go back and you you touch up old. <laughs> they need to put out an edition where it's you know the nice 4K transfer, and, you know, everything's beautiful, and they go in with uh, the computer and they take the human mouths out of the turtle mouths. <laughs> That's all you have to do. That's, Just, yeah. Just clean uh, that up. A little, little bit of painting out there, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping if, you know, things continue and they get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper that, you know, maybe for the 45th or 50th anniversary of our beloved movies here that uh, it'll be cheap enough to do a pass where you leave the movie untouched but you clean up what the effects yeah. couldn't do where they dropped oh, like the ball the, the mat lines i know there's the one in ghostbusters that bothers me certainly and i know i think it bothers ivan reitman because i've heard him bring it up in a couple of q a's but that first shot of dana barrett arriving at her house and there's the the terror dog gargoyle that you the can gargoyle. see through yeah. uh yeah. you know that that little things like that you know i'm sure that they could that clean one, up pretty easily i'm pretty sure if you sat down with them like if you hooked him up to some sort of uh 
like a lie detector, something that watches for micro stressor changes. You hit that point in the movie where uh, from the ground level across the street, you watch Stay Puff step up under the church <laughs> and he's popping up and down right? because it's just not, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just not locked into the, the, the oh, God. He's in a totally different shot. Yeah. I uh, didn't even make this movie and it drives me nuts <laughs> to watch this thing flap around on the, on the screen. So, yeah, I think there's uh, little things like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so Ghostbusters 2. Ten frames, paint it up, kids. We can clean it up. We can do this. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, <sighs> yeah, so, all right. So, yeah, Ghostbusters 2, great uh, visual effects, much better than the first one, obviously. Um, I would also argue the the costume design and the production design in the second movie, even though you have John DeCure who did uh, Cleopatra and all of these giant epics of Hollywood um, doing the first Ghostbusters movie. Those sets are wonderful and amazing. But when you look yeah. at Ghostbusters two and you've got the Van Horn transit and you've got uh, the, the museum uh, set that they've put together, you've got uh, Peter's apartment, all of these different sets. And then the costumes, of course, the, the gray Nomex suits that uh, we see and the new herringbone, um, Yep. Uh, khaki flight suits. Everything, everything just looks just that extra little bit of detail is, is so great. I feel in the and second I, movie. I forget his name, but the uh, the matte painter, Ghostbusters uh, Two, is a good example of kind of the the nearing the end of the classic yeah. matte painting era. And, and some great it, ones in there. The work for Ghostbusters Two is on par with, if not better, in some ways than the stuff they did for the first one. Oh my um, god, yeah, like the the museum, there's that great one of the when the the shell of slime is is around it. Uh the Statue of Liberty is a map painting, you know, when they're that yep. very low angle shot uh you know, she's French, you know. That that shot, that's a map painting there. <laughs> um just great. It's just so many wonderful things. Uh even the Van Horn transit line, you know, that's that's a map painting as well. So Yeah. Uh, they um uh, they really filled out the fire hall. I mean, this is getting to be yep. real fanboy type yeah, stuff, but yeah. the fire hall got filled in a bit more, uh, you know, cause we saw rooms we didn't see before, like the dark room and the dark uh, room and, and the little uh, like couch sitting the, area that's there now in the garage bay that, uh, you know, Lewis trips over when he runs away from yeah. Slimer. Um, the, uh, the kitchen, you know, with the pool table nearby and all that is really filled right. in from the yeah. first movie. Yeah. It's, I mean, I so production design, costume design, set deck, all, you know, Everything. again, they have more On money. Par. It's, it's, you know, they have the luxury of a bigger budget. So of course they end up using it, uh, but. Use it well. And this is, this is the, the important distinction to make for, for other movies tend to get that budget and then kind of fall flat on their face. And, you know, it's not like Ghostbusters 2 is, you know, doesn't have its flaws, but. You know, the, for, by and large, they spent it well. Like, oh yeah, there's yeah. a couple of things that didn't quite pan out the way they should have. I think the, ultimately the uh, the painting, the, the concept is brilliant. The idea, like taking that, you know, the the mystical painting idea, like a you know the Dorian Gray painting or something like that, and moving it up to this concept of a uh, a wizard that you know basically uses a painting as his way back into the the you know the world later. And it just there's something that the idea was about six years too early because yeah. if they could have yeah. applied computers to the problem, 
a little bit easier. I know that was that was quite a challenge, and and we've we've talked about that on the the podcast before. You know how those yeah. those ideas were abandoned, and and uh, well, the big article with Glenn Etchison that yeah, uh, came up that yeah. detailed a lot of that. All the stuff they shot that never ended up getting used, but um, so Boo. yeah. Uh, good, you know. good article. Go check it out. Um, we, I mean, we are hitting the two hour mark, so we'll, we'll Told cease you. our conversation, but we do want to hear you guys' interpretations of that too. So things that you loved about Ghostbusters too, uh, we want to hear from you guys. What did they miss out on that uh, article? What did we miss out in this, this conversation? Uh, call that voicemail line. Tell us what uh, you love about Ghostbusters 2 and, and why you think it still holds up. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 Ghostbusters. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You do? And Twitter accounts. Prince is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroads. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just wanna get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702 GBHQIC. That'll do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Chris, one hour and 53 minutes, so we have seven minutes to bring this home <laughs> before oh, the compression gets really wonky. So, in <laughs> seven minutes here, we're going to finish up this show. Uh, final thoughts. Do you? Uh, what do you got? It's It's been a few uh, weeks since we've talked last. I got two shout-outs. All right. Uh, one, uh, and this popped up today, was uh, we were talking about Stranger Things a couple episodes back. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Gaten Matarazzo, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly there, uh, who plays Dustin. Yeah, toothless. Uh, uh, he, uh, go to represent.com slash Gaten, that's G-A-T-E-N. Uh, he's got a really great t-shirt. Uh, it's the No Ghost logo, but it's got like a, a Dustin, uh, a cute little Dustin ghost in the middle of it there. Uh, and the whole thing goes to uh, raise money for um, research uh, into uh, what he has, which is a. Uh, oh, I've been chatting with people about this before. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, what did I say? Cladocranial. I'm trying to find dys- it right now. Dysplasia. For CCD. He, I mean, he, he calls it CCD Smiles is the name of the organization. So yeah, cladocranial dysplasia, which basically I don't know what clido means, but cranial head dysplasia you know dis as in displaced uh, you know just something's uh, not where it's supposed to be um, and in the it's a hereditary condition where the gene that's involved with uh, uh, you know uh, getting your bones all sorted um, is uh, got a mutation in it that uh, I guess the teeth like the, that the teeth jaw doesn't uh, quite form right which is why he's uh uh, he his uh, upper teeth there in the, the Stranger Things, as we see. Uh, I think he has a uh, a bridge or something. 
that he oh, uh, really? generally wears. Like if there's a picture, the Twitter when he posted it up, you can see he's got a, a beautiful smile, but he he's got that uh, the the gap there in Stranger Things. So. Oh, I just I assumed that he was you know a kid kid missing his two front teeth. That's that's all well, I yeah. Well, technically he is, but this yeah. is a Hollywood and B twenty seven, so he doesn't <laughs> yeah. have to be. He doesn't have all to the time. Be. Uh, uh, and also, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes with it. So I guess, uh, what did it say? Teeth. Uh, what did I say? Teeth, maybe jaw, and uh, collarbone. That's the strange one is a lot of cases, the collarbone isn't as well developed or absent, which I find strange. Hmm. Um, I'm no doctor, but looking at him, he seems to be, uh, uh, other than the teeth, seems to seems largely uh, okay he's it's uh, if i had to guess it sounds like the condition isn't as uh, <sighs> acute is that the doctor term isn't as acute in him as it, it might be in others I mean, it sounds sounds right to me yeah but all i know is that i've seen him he's talked about it uh, openly uh, uh well basically everywhere he can it's and it's something he does a lot of work for is uh, awareness of it and raise money and all that and frankly if it's a t-shirt with, with a no ghost logo i'm in. yeah yeah it's it's a cool shirt man it's uh obviously it looks like dustin he's wearing the hat from stranger the, things the trucker he's, hat yeah trucker hat ghosts got got the teeth missing and he's got the thumbs right. up um so yeah so gaten uh his his message says yo dudes here it is my new t-shirt proceeds from the sale go to ccd smiles which benefits kids and adults just like me who have cranial dysplasia yeah you were right so uh he says thanks for all your support but yeah represent.com uh slash gaten which is g-a-t-e-n that's where you can get that shirt and that goes to a good cause you get a really sweet t-shirt out of it uh well you said you had a second thing chris i have a second shout out holy cow did i drop the ball Uh Uh (laughs) uh-oh so we were talking about the um uh the swag that from the the geek uh, block or the oh the nerd block yeah nerd yeah. block yeah a couple uh, weeks ago guy. right oh god uh, we do a I have only one defense I have three defenses I'm gonna throw every excuse out there that I can <laughs> we record quite late at night that's I'm usually true. quite run down at the end of the day uh, and if I lose focus I, I like to think that I'm actually very very good at holding facts and concepts in my head like i can but if i lose focus it all falls to crap and to be honest in retrospect i knew it was wobbling like 2020 uh, hindsight i it was my brain was wobbling off track a day or two before i so uh by the time we got to recording i was convinced that uh uh briley lapine uh See, this is what it kills me is I know that I openly confessed in the, po- the podcast that I thought he was in the States, but he, I transferred that over to because by that point I, I had said to him, where are you in the States? Again, my brain had wandered and he said, yeah, I'm not. I'm in, you know, in Canada. I was like, right. I should have known that. Don't know. Never mind. I'm So here I am <laughs> openly admitting that I don't know why the hell I thought he was in the States for some reason, but uh I got it all right now, don't I? Briley Lapine of the Montreal Ghostbusters. He's in the Ontario Ghostbusters. Like, it's just... Uh, uh, 
Okay, all right. So this was in reference to we we talked about that the Montreal Ghostbusters uh, uh, got a, a list of the nerd block uh, stuff yeah. that was overflow, and that so okay, so you you got that a name and a shout out wrong. I don't, I don't. Well, I don't even think I mentioned his name. I think I, I covered for the fact that I wasn't even holding that piece of uh, uh, data in my head. I don't by remember saying, this. I remember you saying Montreal. Saying the, and that's all that the I Montreal remember. Montreal Ghostbusters. Yes. <laughs> the funny part is in my in my apology to him later. He said, "Well, my last name is French," and I was like, "See, my brain is dangerous." <laughs> It's like French Canadian connection. It's just grabbing random stuff and ah, guessing very okay. badly wrong. Um, no, he's with the the Ontario Ghostbusters. Uh, he was very nice about it. Uh, <laughs> Andrea, the Ontario Ghostbusters den mother, was very sternly disappointed with me. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> oh no! And a Mr. Ryan. Dole gave me crap right out the gate. Like the minute it posted, he was in there talking about, Mario, did you get it wrong? And I was like, you were in the same Facebook chat where I asked him where in the States he was. Like, <laughs> you knew it out then. Yeah. my brain was completely oh, boy. Why are you asking me oh, this? Oh, no. Well, uh, at any rate, it sounds like it all it all worked out. Yeah, and, I have uh, no final thought other than I'm an idiot. No, it's we're... I make we're no excuse. And huh? we would make mistakes. We make... Uh, I obviously make lots of mistakes, and everybody loves to point them out, and that's fine. I understand. And we yes. leave everything in the show, blemishes and all. <laughs> we we do edit out uh, cops and stuff like that, and we're lazy, but... So, uh, uh, look, we're, sorry, we err sometimes. We are human. Don't you apologize. It's my apology. I, I, I got, uh, I, I mean, I'm sitting here going, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing Riley right or Lapine right. <laughs> okay, so let's So we'll issue another correction uh, next <laughs> I'll, week. I'll correct that up later. <laughs> uh, the whole thing stands, though. Nerdblock did reach out to, uh, at the very least, their group uh, in Ontario. They did then reach out to us, say, we, you know, do you guys want to order through us? We said yes. I have the box. It's sitting upstairs. Uh, I may actually... <sighs> do I want to work on the basement, or do I want to sort that box that's been sitting in my living room for a week and a half? Maybe I'll go do that. Why not both? Um, you can do it. Yes, and at least, you know, it was... Uh, I'm, I'm glad they did reach out to us, because we're all glad to get the stuff we got out of it. And, uh, yeah, I apologize yeah, that... I'm it was old. and and it was anecdotal. It was something <laughs> that happened at the top of the show. So don't don't sweat it, man. It's all right. Um, all right. I well, do sweat it. I uh, do sweat it all. I think I gotta go cry. Don't I sweat promise it. Myself I would cry. All right, well, so while he cries, let me just reiterate to you guys again. Call the voicemail four seven zero two four two four seven four two. We want to hear your entries for the real Ghostbusters DVDs. We also want to hear uh, your thoughts on the Ghostbusters two article. Uh, also make sure go hit up that, uh, that awesome t-shirt because I'm, I, I'm sure it's probably a limited time thing. So, uh, Gaten's, uh, shirt is at represent March 15th. Mar- oh, March they, 15th. Oh my God. They, you got to act. I now. went to the site. They ship March 31st, but they they're only taking orders till March. You got to do it now. So yeah. Represent.com slash Gaten, uh, G A T E N. So do that. Call the voicemail. Uh, and uh, next week we've got uh, some fun stuff in, in store for you guys. We've got some special guests calling all the way from across the pond, which means that we're going to wake up very early to talk to them. So until then, we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. See you on the other side. Who you gonna call? We got Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. 
visit us at protoncharging.com, ghostbustershq.net, and stillplayingwithtoys.net. You could be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Bassmasters. It's a fishing show. Everything you're doing is bad. You truly scare me. I want you to love it. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird. Riley Lapine in Ontario. Mo- uh, Montreal. Ah, no. Stop. <laughs> <laughs>